All right, so we're here today with Trevor, our first podcast guest. Hello. Uh, Trevor is a native Oregonian, and by that I don't mean he's an Indian, he just grew up in Oregon, and he came to Japan last year in... August. August. So, uh, before we get started, I'm just going to give a little background, which you can correct me if I'm wrong, and add on to. I absolutely will, I'm sure. So, Trevor is now... 28 years old. Yes, I am. Birthday recently, is that correct? Yeah, uh, last month. How do you feel about that, by the way? Uh, feeling old. You're feeling old? <laughs> no, especially, especially working with kids. When you start working with kids in uh, elementary school. I hate it when people tell me they feel old when they're younger than me, because yeah. I just feel even older than yeah. I am. I didn't, I didn't feel old until I came here, and you start working with the kids, and you realize, mm-hmm. wow. How do you think you're going to feel about your age when you're 39, like a certain someone in this room? I don't want to think about it. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> yeah, it's a horrible, horrible milestone. 40. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, Trevor has a background in uh, Senden, we were told, which is uh, advertising, right? Advertising and uh, Not marketing. marketing, different from marketing? It is, it is different than marketing. It's yeah. a whole two credits different than marketing. Right. So Two credits. And that's the only difference, apparently. That, that's, that's all, yeah. <laughs> I think it's one statistics class. Which you took or you didn't take? I didn't want to take an extra oh, you didn't class. Want to take. Okay, I see. So that's why he, that uh, the guy with the marketing degree was busting your balls a little bit that night. He's like, "Well, it's different. It's different." Yeah, he didn't and take it's, statistics. It's it's technically different. Yeah, I took international business. So you're not comfortable with numbers. Is that what it is? No, I had to take plenty of statistics. I just got sick of them. I got sick of numbers. Uh, just before we get started again, and we haven't even really wrapped up your uh, intro, but what are you drinking tonight, Trevor? Uh, I got uh, I got some Smirnoffs going on right now. Just so everybody knows, I'm drinking a hoe garden tonight. Uh, just imagining that I'm in a garden full of hoes. So anyway, background. Trevor uh, has a background in advertising. He came to Japan, and he's coming up on a year now. So we're catching Trevor at that critical moment where he's been here for a year. He, he kind of he knows what it's like to live here. Um, more than anybody who's ever spent a week or a month or a few days in Japan will ever know. Uh, here today, we're going to talk about your year in Japan in, in sort of uh, in retrospect. Uh, so what I want to start off with today, by, by the way, is there anything you want to add to the introduction of yourself here? Uh, no, I, I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to kind of talking about this because this will give me a chance as well to kind of reflect on this whole experience. I've been so stuck in the middle of of it and you know in the moment and so it's really interesting to be coming up on you know i bought my plane tickets i'm getting ready to leave and to be able to look back and think wow it's been senioritis i believe yeah exactly i'm I'm out i'm done i feel um i'm sure you'll feel differently about your experiences in japan as time goes on and we'll have to get you back on the show and interview you again via skype or something but Right now, before you fly home, let's let's take a look back. Um, before you came to Japan, when it was clear that you were going to come to Japan, when you, when I'm sure that there was some kind of an interview process yeah. or, or yeah. whatnot, and then it was like you're the one, you're going. How did you feel? It's a really interesting story. Originally, um, I had applied for the Jet program, which I know a lot of people. Um, first get interested in, especially if they're studying Japanese in America, it's very heavily pushed. And I applied for the program and did not get accepted. And at that point, I had 
kind of moved on from my. Did they tell you why? Is it? Did they I, even? No, I. You send in an application. They put up a list of numbers. You have your number, and if you're not on the list, it means you were not and accepted. They, they give you no information about no reason what about was. what it was that they what didn't a, like. What a bag of dicks! It's it's pretty it's Seriously. pretty it's pretty horrible. Um, yeah, and so I was I was not selected even for the interview process, which was which was pretty bad. I took that pretty personally. Um, but I then would be even worse if because I know people that have gone to the interview process and gotten something they made it to the interview process. Yeah, They're like well, actually seeing this guy, we realized no, it's easy. <laughs> that that probably yeah, that probably would have uh, sucked a little bit worse. Uh, but yeah, I I was uh, a little bit crestfallen and I had moved on. It had been several months since I had been. Uh, so you were done. You're like, I'm not, I, I was, guess it's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm not I had coming to Japan. I had been taking Japanese in college, um, and I quit at that. How point. many years of of Japanese did you take in college? Uh, I took uh, two years. In How did college. that prepare you for actually getting here? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it it. I guess it gave me a greater uh, incentive to come to Japan. I really wanted, I really like learning the language. Um, I, I think it's a very beautiful language and it's a lot of fun to study. And so it, one of the reasons that drove me to come here was, was to continue uh, studying the language and try to get better at it, become more Which fluent. Which you have, you've, uh, you're, you're one of the people that like I've noticed takes a very sort of uh, diligent, proactive stance towards learning the language and I've, you, you know, you bought books from me. I, I, you ask me questions all the time. It seems like you're always studying. I, uh, I am. And on the one hand, I know I've gotten better. And at the same time, the better you get at a language, almost the worse you feel. Because as you start to improve, people start to talk to you a little bit faster. Language becomes a little bit harder. And you feel like you're on a, on a hamster wheel. You're never really improving. So it's very difficult to see improvement in something that feels subjective like language. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I had I had moved on at that point. I was done. I decided I, I'm done studying Japanese. I'm not going to Japan. And I was about to graduate. And I was thinking about getting a, a job in advertising or marketing or something to do with my major. And that's when this opportunity approached me through the um, through a sister city uh, organization uh, where I'm from in Oregon. Uh, to come to the sister city here in Japan and and teach elementary and middle school, and at that point I was I I had a plan I knew what I wanted to do and I had moved on and I I had to think about it for a long time because I didn't really want to come to Japan anymore at that point, really? but it was yeah I I had I had really moved on but it was an opportunity that it's like wow you know four months ago I wanted this so bad, and now here's this opportunity if I say no if I decline it. You know, I could regret this for the next 20 years thinking I should have gone. So you weren't just like elated, like, I'm going, yeah. Like, no, I was I was actually the opposite. I wasn't sure I wanted to come. I was having a very hard time getting so on the plane. you were skeptical right from the start. Skeptical, right, right. Skeptical before, yeah. as in it's a trade-off? It was, it was one of those things where you could, I was thinking to myself, you can do anything for a year. But you're going to regret not going if you don't go and try. And in my mind, I was thinking, you know what? You go, you try it out in three months. If you don't like it, break the contract and come home. So I, you know, on the one hand, I really wanted to go. And on the other hand, it it no longer seemed like an imperative for me. It was something that I was kind of uh, past. What about on the airplane? When you're on the airplane, you're flying here. You finally, everything's taken care of all. You're like, it's actually happening. Yeah. Do you remember? It's a year ago. I, I, I do. I vividly remember. And that morning I got up and... I hadn't slept the night before. I was awake all night. 
tossing and turning, thinking about it. I wasn't sure I was going to get on the plane until the moment I got through security. And, uh, you know, my family dropped me off at the airport. And I remember I actually started to cry. And I don't cry. I, I mean, ever. Oh, come on. I very rarely, I mean, death in the family or alone at night, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> only sometimes, but no, it was, it was, well, how would you describe those tears? I mean, one of the things you, I've heard you comment yeah. on how like people in Japan seem to cry in different circumstances than Westerners do. And it's true. Yeah. How did you feel when, were they, were they tears of joy, tears of fear, tears it was inexplicable I, tears. Well, I, I'm sure part of it was, you know, being awake for 36 hours at that point. I hadn't slept. Mm. Um, there was delirium. There was, yeah. I mean, there was panic. I'm very close with my family. So saying goodbye and, and knowing, you know, I'm that not going to see them you for know, a year. Charged hugs and stuff. Like exactly. That. My mom started to cry and that kind of got me going. Ah, that, that right there. Yeah. When your so, mom cries, it's, the, it's the, over. You're the whole, cry the too. whole, the whole family. It was, it so was I was like, mom, come on, stop. I, Cause you don't want to cry. Oh, okay. All <laughs> right, here we go. Here we go. You're tearing up. And so, yeah, I got through security and I remember I, you know, my mom demands that everybody going to the airport get there three hours early just to make sure that you don't get caught up. And so I have like three careful, hours. Careful woman. Yeah. I have like three hours to kill. Um, and Games. No, at that point, I'm just, I'm, I remember I'm sitting at the gate kind of with my, my head in my, my hands and I'm just like, you know, am I really, am I going to get on this plane? I, it's not too late. I could take just a taxi. Three hours of holding your head. Well, you hadn't it, slept. I hadn't slept. Yeah, I was I was I was pretty out of it at that point. And I remember I got on the plane and I'm flying here and I remember I remember the seat I'm sitting in. And I remember looking up at the the flight attendant as she's doing her spiel. I'm thinking, "Man, just one year, you know, no problem." And I started mentally the countdown that day, like, "Oh, 365 days." That's funny cuz you're back in countdown mode. I am. I'm I'm in hardcore countdown mode now, but we're less we're we're less than 30 days at this point. So but I mean, there are, there are times I can remember the times that are the hardest based on when I started counting down again. So it's like when I got on that plane, 365 days, when I hit two months, I was about, you know, 315, 320 days. And I'm thinking, oh, how am I going to survive this? And you get to Christmas. It's a very sort of like prison mentality. It It, it is. And it shifts violently is, is what I've realized. Um, and there was a lot of culture shock. That, oh, of course. Yeah. That I wasn't I wasn't expecting. I mean, I I'd studied it um, before I came here in international business classes. The the there's a whole curve about sure. how culture shock hits people, how it affects you. Yeah. And I was I was looking at it, and I was like, that's eh, not going to happen to me. This is no problem. You know, and yet I, you were human. I'm after very all. yeah. I'm very even tempered. I'm not super emotional one way or another. So I thought oh, I can handle this. And and I have a personality. I'm online all the time. My friends and I, our main form of communication, even at home is online. So I was thinking this is no problem. I can do a year easy. And it was amazing how not only did the culture shock curve perfectly match my emotional state, but how, how emotional I felt, especially that first six months. Hearing you talk about having the internet, being able to talk to friends back in the United States as a way of, of sort of coping with getting over the initial euphoria, you know, you, you, after that, you, you then, assuming that you had euphoria, uh, most people do. The, it's interesting. I didn't. You never had it. Okay. I, well, because but I, you did slip into right. a sort of like state of like, oh gosh, I, I would say what that I had doing you f- here kind of the, uh, yeah, I guess homesickness. A, exactly. The, a little background. I came here two months previous to moving right. here uh, for a two week vacation where I toured all the way around Japan. And that was my euphoria. That was, oh, okay. oh my God, I'm in Japan. I've right. wanted to come here for 15 years, seeing all the sites, all the famous places, Tokyo and 
And well, then you did have so then it, you did have that initial sort of I, like I did when oh my I got I'm in Japan right and OMG, that and that Japan. led that led to my nervous panic before I came here the second time because I had been here I knew exactly how hard it was going to be and it was like well I don't have a tour group this time and I had already met the people I was going to be working with right and it was it was uh, completely different than what I was expecting they were very formal and business like and I didn't understand them very well um, my Japanese was not to a level where I could understand contracts. Two, two years didn't get you there. It didn't It didn't get me to business uh, right. level, no. And right. they seemed very unsure of how to uh, communicate with me, especially because my predecessors had been so good at Japanese for so many years that having somebody with... Uh, you know, marginal Japanese ability was, I think, a, a new thing for them as well. And so, yeah, I was, I was panicked when I, when I first got here uh, in August when I moved here. Yeah, there was, it was almost like immediate depression. Okay, so you're already just slipping in. Yeah. See, when I, I should point out that uh, we both came over here through the Sister City uh, program. Yes, my senpai, and, as he likes to make fun of me for calling him, but no, it's fine. I. I love it. I mean, it's like it's one. It's one of those things where like we will never get to truly be a we'll, senpai. We'll never we'll, understand that we can relationship it as gaijin in Japan. In exactly, our own strange sort of gaijin way. But I like. It. I think. I, 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 I think I like it because it's it's slightly ironic. Plus, it's a meme. To yeah, it is. With. It is. So it's funny. That's where it came from. And I am old, and basically you're just saying old man. Which is, <laughs> it's fine. I, I get it. But we, uh, the one thing that you and I have, that. Um, I can't say this about most people in life is that like we physically lived in the same space. It's very interesting. Like this apartment that we're in right now, the apartment where you live right now is the apartment that I lived in for eight years as a sister city friendship ambassador. And I had my trials and tribulations here as well. Um, so it's physically, it's exactly the same. The curtains are different. I like the remodeling job you've done here, but, um, the difference would be uh, you had the internet. Yeah. Whereas my generation, I didn't even have the internet. I, I didn't I, have TV. I don't know how you survived because it's, it's, it's well, been it's my crutch. I, I showed up here. My luggage had been sent to Chile. I was wearing a wool business suit and uh, for two weeks in the middle of Japan's summer, which you, you know is just it's horrible. Yeah, violently it's hot. Oppressive heat. And... Uh, so I'm in this apartment. It had no furniture in it at all. Nothing. They they had uh, not even a bed. Nothing. There was a futon, futon mattress and uh, nothing else. Which are not comfortable, by the way. Anybody who, who wants to sleep on a futon, uh, you have no idea. And so for two weeks, school wasn't in session. Nobody came to check on me. I'm just in this apartment. Uh, I wear my business suit because that's all I had. All my luggage was sent to Chile. I'd walk 30 minutes to the 7-Eleven to buy food, walk back in like, you know, 95 degree heat with 100% humidity and just sweat through my suit, get back home, wash my underwear and, and my my undershirt and be naked on the tatami floor <laughs> for like three hours in the afternoon every day for like Jeez. three weeks. Yeah, And no internet. It just So we had a different experience, but physically we're in the same space space we we taught at the same school yes there were different teachers but a lot of the things that you talk about are things that just resonate with me uh the, I, I dealt with a lot of the same stuff the faces change but everything else stays the same kind right. of right yeah and so we're going to talk about a little bit of that tonight um your first year here uh euphoria was gone because you did two weeks in japan 
you immediately sink down into something like a depression. Right. And um, I had a very similar experience to what you just described. Not not that bad, obviously. And and I was really glad that you were there to kind of to take me out. I after hearing that story, I kind of wonder if that played a part. But when I first got here, they dropped me off. My apartment wasn't ready. My predecessor was still here living in it. And so they take me to another apartment, no furniture, no air conditioning in the terrible heat. You know, at least I have my luggage, my computer. But yeah, they drop me off and they say, okay, well, everybody's on vacation. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. And, you know, 7-Eleven is right down the road. <laughs> and that was, that was kind you had of... You car, right? I no, not at that point. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, my predecessor still had the car, and uh, so yeah, I remember. You know, uh, I got here and I, I sent you a text message. I had sent you several uh, messages leading up to arriving here because you were the only person I knew. I met you when I came. Yeah, you're uh, lucky you had trip. me. I didn't have a I, me. I, I didn't know. have a me. I know. And it's just me. There was nobody else, and and I was naked. <laughs> my clothes. At least dry. I had. Yeah, at least I, I had, had clothing. Luggage. My my luggage was in the fucking chili. No, but I mean, same thing. It was, they it put was, me in another apartment because my predecessor hadn't cleaned up yet. Right. The apartment was, was empty. There was only one glass of water in the refrigerator. It was the vice principal's room. <laughs> Apparently, he never needed any. He's a vampire, I think. He, all he need needed anything. was a glass of water in an empty refrigerator. And then I moved over to this apartment, and it was also empty. There was no, there was nothing. But this is paradise compared to the other place. You have a pretty good setup in here now. Yeah, it's it's nice it took now. Me I... Years to get to something like this level of civilization. Yeah, see, but you laid the groundwork for for everything that I have here, and so I still I've always don't been have that. fast internet. But I have you internet. Have internet. You I have internet. Internet. Yeah. You know, but speaking of internet, on the one hand, it feels like it's been a crutch for me. It's something that I've relied on heavily. But on the other hand, I think maybe you might have been lucky not having internet because I I feel like part of the reason that I've I've been so, you know, countdown and, and emotionally charged, it's because of the internet. I'm I haven't fully disconnected. That's what I was going to actually point yeah. out is that like, that was the point that I was trying to get to is that like, because I had zero connections to home in my house and no nothing to like occupy my time no tv no video games uh, uh i had a like one of those super old uh computers i must have been running windows 95 yeah I, it was it may have been 98 but i want I, I, I usually wasn't up to date i think it was 95 mm-hmm. and um i just didn't i mean there was just nothing to do i think my 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 hard drive on my computer was like minesweeper solitaire yeah it was a different generation and so i had to get out of the house and so what i would do to cope with the depression was i would uh i saw a mountain in the distance looking out these windows here i could see a mountain and i would i didn't know when i finally got the car that is i didn't have a car at first uh, and i should point out right now that we live um in the deep inaka the countryside the deep countryside yeah, that's right which is a different experience than living in Tokyo. It, it is. You you feel more isolated and yeah. there are far fewer people for you to interact with. Exactly. Than, yeah. So I would get in my car and just drive solo up to the mountain and then climb the mountain by myself every weekend. And that's the only way that I stayed sane. And uh, I would, I'd also join a lot of the drinking parties that the town office would hold or the teachers would hold. And uh, that was a great chance for me to polish my Japanese. So... I didn't have a place to retreat to. I didn't have a way to to talk to people in English. It seemed like my first two years here, I almost never had an opportunity to speak English, even in the classroom, because like teachers and students don't speak English right. in a way that's satisfying for somebody who really wants to just open up and speak English. And, and for me, 
I really want to practice my Japanese and get better at it. And I feel like I can't get anybody to speak to me in Japanese. Even people who speak almost no English, they'll either come up and they'll speak in broken English and they'll ignore my attempts to try to communicate with them in Japanese. Or more likely, they just avoid me because they don't even want to deal with it. It's hard. It can be hard to find a way to... It seriously can. It can be hard to find a way to practice Japanese. But yeah, definitely. I, I, I think I use the internet almost as a cocoon to... Uh, to avoid, you know, instead of joining uh, drinking parties and uh, exploring Although you have, you have joined some drinking It's not like you've... I've, I've gone to the ones that, that are not mandatory, but mandatory. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you're not shut up in this... Apartment. Oh, no, yeah. But you have, no a way to, you have a way to connect with, with America when you want or need to. Right. And that must be nice. But at the same time, like you said, like we were pointing out, it may have inhibited you from... or, or I mean... Time is a zero-sum game. If you're spending time talking to Americans at night in English, you're not studying Japanese or going out and meeting Japanese. Not that there's a lot of Japanese people to meet out here, but but anyway, the point is, is yeah. That but a, no, for sure, there's definitely there's definitely something to to say for maybe I, I should have spent less time online and more more time out. But it's a very stressful experience. Again, you've studied a lot, and you 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 even have Japanese friends like. Kubota, for example. <laughs> Kubota. I like that guy. He's funny as fuck, man. I, I, I mean, I know that you were like, I think he's stalking me. No, I think but he's stalking me. I was like, wow, you're gonna stalk a dude? Watch out! But like, when we actually went out and, and had some beers with that guy, I, I didn't get the sense that he. I mean, maybe he is. Maybe just, he just, is. just wait. Maybe he's just, just a wait. Good stalker. Because, because soon you're gonna get to know him a little bit better, he's and you know, stalk me. Gone. He's gonna stop. He'll stop just short of stalking you, but he he's very very shy, and uh, he does spend a lot of time hovering. He, he he's usually, a hoverer. He's a hoverer. He he waits for you to engage him, and so for several months, uh, you know, his nervous attempts to say hello and kind of hover around were were kind of ignored. We got to get me. to the Kubota story as a story. We'll get we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, we'll but get the there. first question I want to ask you comes from a a friend. And he wants to know, uh, because I, I, I briefly talked to him about this podcast and said, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna record with Trevor." And uh, I told him a little bit about how much trouble you had come the winter last winter, and how you were thinking about going home. That was rough. Yeah. And he was. And he, his question is, "What was it about Japan that drove you so crazy that you thought about?" Just bailing on your contract. Uh, it was so bad that you just wanted to just get the fuck out. Just anything to just get out of here. Like what? You're halfway through your contract, but you just can't take it anymore. You're like, I, I can't, I can't live here. This is. What were you feeling? What was it that was gnawing away at you? What's eating Gilbert Grape? You know, it's a, it's a really good question because I should say up front that. This is basically, this is so much better than anything I could have imagined as far as the setup that I've been given uh, here in Japan. The physical amenities. Right, exactly. I mean, this is better than the average English teacher. Uh, exactly. You have a better I was... apartment than the average English teacher. You have a better car than the average that's, English teacher. That's right. So uh, physical amenities. I, I, I 100, I, I can't, I mean, I've thought about it. We've talked about it. There's nowhere else I would want to work in this country because this is, such a sweet setup compared to to other people who who come here and 
they get a job, they make less money, and then they're on their own to find housing and, and a car, and they don't have a, a contact to, you know. So what was it? Was it just sheer kind of like, it's the holidays, I want to be with my e- family feeling? Or was were there other things? You know, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't completely sold on coming here when I got here. And so mm-hmm. it was a quick decline those first couple months into winter set in. And Oregon, we get a lot of rain, but we don't get a lot of cold. And here in Nagano, it fucking is cold. fucking cold. It's the coldest. Die. I thought I was going to die. They don't do central heating in Japan. So, I mean, not at the school, not at my apartment, nowhere. I mean, if you want to be warm, you go sit in your car. Um, I bought two heaters. Didn't help. Uh, I would shut all the doors in this room. Um, you know, I, I barred up the windows and, you know. Box yourself into the smallest room. The smallest room you can. And I had, I had a sweatshirt on. I had a jacket over that. Uh, heavy wool socks. I had my hat on, my scarf. I had two heaters in the room. And I was still shivering. It was ridiculous. And it only got worse the deeper into winter that we went. And it started about November. Yeah, my first winter here, I was wearing three layers, the outside of which was like my ski jacket and ski pants, and I was wearing gloves and a ski hat while I slept under my blanket, yeah. like my like the two blankets uh, that I had. He's not he's not over exaggerating because that's yeah, exactly it's exactly blanket, what like I did down too. Blanket. I bought I bought two of these throw blankets. I bought the yeah the thickest down blanket I could buy at the store, and I would sleep in my ski jacket. My and then heavy you wake duty. Wake up in the morning and like you can see your breath in the air inside inside your the room. house. Yeah. I tell people this, Japanese people, and they're like, when I'm like, you know, my first winter here, I thought I was going to die. It was so cold. And they're like, oh, it's, it used to be colder. You know, they're like, yeah, people would put their toothpaste in the refrigerator to keep it from freezing. Or you'd wake up in the morning and any kind of uh, sort of drool that you had on your mouth or the breath from your nose had frozen into crystals. I, I never had that, but it not just that, not like, that bad. Yeah, but like the sixty-year-olds that I know, which who are now seventy, they were like when I was a kid. Housing wasn't I'd what have it ice is crystals today. Under my nose, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was those the old buildings. Yeah, I mean, because so no it central gets... heating and then walls made of mud, and what you have is a situation where it's like minus thirteen when you wake up in the morning. Right. Celsius, of course. Right. I mean, it's it's ridiculously cold, and so yeah, winter set in. Uh, the holidays hit and especially, you know, Christmas lights, even here, um, in the stores and whatnot, Christmas music, it starts to hit, uh, end of October, just like back in the States. And so you start hearing the Christmas music and, and like I said, I'm very close to my family. And so I start missing home. I'm very nostalgic and I get attached to family traditions and stuff like that. And so, um, that set in. And by that point I had kind of hit a wall at work. This was the other thing, you know, I started work, uh, beginning of September, after summer break was over, um, and things were fine, but there was, there was no, I had somebody in charge of the English department, I suppose, but there was no schedule. Um, at the, you didn't have a, a work schedule. There was no work schedule. I had Jesus. one, I had one for the elementary school I worked at, which was amazing. Um, then again, I've had years at a time where the head English teacher just yeah. was the kind of person who wasn't into scheduling. So they wouldn't give me a schedule. Well, I, I kind it of really depends on the teacher. It does. And I kind of feel like the current one is not into having a, you know, an English teacher, uh, assistant English teacher, um, and so it was. It was really hard to read him. He didn't want to talk about it. And uh, Mr. No Smiles. 
No smiles. Yeah, he got real smiley after I no announced smiles. my leaving. Yeah, I said, "Well, I'm I'm leaving," and he goes, "What a dick move!" The sec- Never smile to a guy. Yeah, the for second a year, and the then second he finds him out, home, he's like smiling. At he starts you. smiling. And he's and he's like, like, he goes, Jesus. "Oh, we're going to miss you so much!" With the biggest smile I'd ever seen on his face, it was ridiculous. At that point in time, it had been three months, um, and elementary school was great. I mean, I can't say enough good things about the elementary school. This whole this whole experience, but the it's junior a high, bit old. The, it, building it, the building's a little bit old. It's a little run down. There may be some asbestos uh, you in know, the we, walls and in the ceiling. You got, I have my fan, my super fan. He's not a stalker. He's a super fan. Super and fan. Uh, yeah. he's he's very big into Fast and the Furious. The, the, the first question he asked me when uh, we went out for dinner was, how many guns do you own? And you're like, well, I, 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 including the one in my sock right now? Yeah. I, you know, I crushed him. I said, I, I don't own any guns. And he goes, what do you mean? He was so confused. He's like, you were American. I thought you were American. I thought every you you, you can buy guns, right? Down, bro. And I said, yeah, I could go buy a gun. You know, get it in five days. He's like, you're gonna be a victim, bro. But you don't have a gun. Everybody's why? Everybody's got a gun, gun in America. You? Yeah. He what was are you gonna shocked. do when when you're in the mall and they come at you? <laughs> just just <laughs> How you complete. gonna protect your freedoms, bro? Yeah. He's seen one too many one too many films. Freedom comes at a price. It's um, usually the price of a handgun. <laughs> Uh, so when you go back to the states, what's your first move? Get a handgun. Get a hand. Get two. And some Cheetos. Yeah. <laughs> some fast internet. I don't know about Cheetos. So, I'm definitely going to enjoy some, some uh, fireworks. Let some them know nachos. You're back in the land of freedoms. Yeah. We don't have any Mexican <laughs> food here. But uh, but no, I mean there had been no schedule. I wasn't getting classes, and it's really so hard. Work sucked. Work sucked. You go eight to nine hours a day. You sit in a room, and it gets to a point where Those you last start three avoiding. Or four hours. Yeah, when you have nothing to do all day, every hour. And I hit a point. It's really interesting to think back on, but I hit a point in December, three months in, where I started to hear the voices of the kids in the hall, and it made me, you know, like really anxious and nervous. And I mean, I've never had a panic attack, but I think that's probably the closest I've ever been. Was anytime I I would hear the kids, I would I would retreat to another room. I didn't want to see them. I didn't want to be in the same room with them. And it wasn't their fault. I hadn't had any bad experiences with them, but I hadn't I hadn't really seen them for three months. And there were these, you know, every time I saw a student, they were like, why don't you ever come to class? I don't know. Ask your teacher. I don't even have a schedule. Right? I don't have a schedule. Yeah, I'm not scheduled to come to your class. So, I mean, I had, I, I have a list somewhere, but I believe I had less than 20 classes in eight months. That's how many times I actually attended a class. Um, That's horrible. Yeah. And so it was, it was really hard. And I got to the point where I thought I'm making good money. I have this really sweet setup, but what am I doing here? What am I doing with my life? I, I, I didn't have any friends at that point. Um, and, you know, you and I have, have become pretty good friends. But at that point, you had just had a new baby. So you were extremely busy. Yeah, uh, I got three kids. You got three kids. Uh, and I'm surprised I'm even here interviewing you tonight. It's pretty amazing. Uh, but you've been teaching all night. so All day. All, night, all day, yeah. all night. Yeah, you Seven got a hours. little break. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was just... It was, I had had enough. I had enough and the money didn't matter and being in Japan didn't matter. I, I wanted to go home. Yeah. Okay. So work kind of sucked. You spent most of your time sitting. Your direct supervisor never talked to you and didn't even give you a schedule for Christ's sake. Certainly not giving you pointers about being new in Japan and, oh, this is how it goes, bro. You should, I mean, this is what we do here, you know, uh, just nothing in terms of like acculturation. Yeah, nothing at all. Nothing yeah. at all. And like I said, everybody had been trained. My predecessor had been there for three years. She had lived in Japan as a child for, for some amount of time. 
She spoke the language, and so it was very easy for them to bring her to class to speak to her in Japanese. She knew the routine. Very non-threatening. She's basically Japanese. Basically, yeah. Um, mm. And I come in, and I'm I'm almost six foot five. Uh, my you Japanese are is the, you're Yama, Yama, the mountain, <laughs> as we now call you. Yes, that that has become my name. And uh, yeah, so I'm huge. I'm intimidating. I'm so different than what they're used to. And it was it was definitely, I think, shocking for them as well, which I can understand. But I would have hoped that they would have made more of an effort. And, you know, I've heard this from other people, too. So it's I don't think it's a unique experience to have the teachers just kind of shun you when you first uh, arrive. If you don't make a an outgoing attempt to integrate yourself. Yeah, I mean, this I've spoken with a lot of uh, assistant language teachers, ALTs in Japan and. Um, the standard line is, I just have so much free time. I'm, I'm, I'm at the school for nine or 10 hours a day. And yet I'm only teaching like one to three lessons and there's almost no prep time. You know, maybe you get your prep time done in 20 minutes, something like that. And the rest of the day, you're just sitting there. You have nothing to do. And right. it's like, you're just out of your head with boredom. And the teachers kind of look at you funny if you're doing something that's not work-related, which is all the time. So, there, yeah, for a while there, there was this, I'm trying to hide the fact that I have my cell phone at the school. I'm trying to, you know, find time where I can go uh, be by myself, be out of the teacher's room, um, trying to fill time, basically. Mm-hmm. I even got I even got talked to by the principal one time for reading my reading a book at my desk. And he's like, you're always in there reading your book. You know, the kids are coming in. They're looking at you. You got to stop doing that. I said, okay, well, what do you want me to do? We'll do more class preparations. I don't have any classes six, to prepare six for. Six or seven hours of class prep. Yeah, there's there's no day. There's no way that you're going to fill that so time. Just pretend that you're busy like everybody right. else does. You know, they want you to come in. They want you to, to go to all the staff meetings. I can't understand anything on the staff agenda. I can't read the, the Probably memos. Probably don't want to. A lot of the ones that I went to were about mysterious students taking craps on the library carpet upstairs (laughs) well that'd be great if i could understand any of it i'm sure there's been plenty of drama that i have no idea you know about um but yeah there's there's this subtle disapproval of how you spend your time when you're just trying to survive the day it's like i gotta get through today go home i you know having lived here for 15 years now and uh 14 or whatever it is and uh dealing with dozens of Japanese English teachers, that is to say Japanese nationals who are English teachers, I think the one thing that I've found, the sort of gap between the experience of assistant language teachers, foreigners in Japan teaching English, and the Japanese English teachers is that we are inserting ourselves into a foreign culture and we're struggling to survive in this in the, when i say survive i just mean on a on a day to day basis get get through the day yeah and uh to integrate as much as possible to understand we're struggling to understand because the language is never 100% clear um you're struggling to integrate uh and just to to sort of cope with the the differences and the changes and yet they who are sort of like ambassadors to english for their students oftentimes don't really have any kind of understanding of what it's like to live in a foreign country. And so when, when they're dealing with you, they're like, why doesn't this guy get it? What the, exactly. you know, they have no understanding of what it would be like to live in a foreign culture. 
they may have traveled abroad for a few days and done a tourist package or something like that, taken some pictures, but that's completely different than, than, than living. living and working in a foreign in culture. So, um, okay. We've talked a little bit about, about how work sucked. Um, what are the, what are the positives? Are there any positives that you think looking back on this experience when, uh, months or years down the road, because you will right. inevitably, right. Uh, and uh, human beings are, you know, when you, even through the, like, like my dad, he went to Vietnam war mm -hmm. and, uh, I should say the Vietnam war and he, uh, it was, it was, it was horrible. Right. It's not right. A good I, I assume it was, and he, and he would talk about it, but yet when he came back as, I mean, I didn't see him when he came back immediately, but when I was young, my father used to just do nothing but tell stories about Vietnam to my mother's dismay. Like he was just right. constantly telling me stories about right. Vietnam. And they all sounded positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it think, was the camaraderie. It was like I think we have a tendency to try to remember the best, and, and yet it's be even nostalgic. hotter. It's even hotter in Vietnam than it is here in Japan in the summertime. And there's bullets flying around here, whereas here in Japan, it's usually just words that are kind of like bullets. words, words that are yeah fired behind your back, and, which can uh, happen. Disapproving glances, a lot. yeah. We'll have, we'll have to do a whole episode on rumors because it's just such a rife topic. Well, and is that Japan or is that just living out here in the middle of nowhere? I think it's Japan. Oh, okay. Well, I think it's a rumor-based country. <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's one of the really interesting things for me to try to keep into perspective, the fact that even this experience living here for a year, it's not indicative of living in Japan as a whole because it's only been out here in the countryside small and yet, town a lot of japan is countryside i'm not talking about the population but geographically right, right. there's a lot people are always talking japan there's so small it's there... so small it's bigger than britain and britain was the biggest imperial power in the world there's i feel like there's not a lot of suburb at least out here there's a lot of big cities and there's a lot but of there's a farmland. huge difference between living in tokyo there's more anonymity Anonymity in Tokyo. There's right. Um, you don't stand out even as a foreigner. It's not as strange you to see out, you. But they're not going to stare at you and be like, right? Dikai, Dikai, uh, he's so fucking huge. Oh my god, he's huge. Whereas that's what you get out here. Yeah. So I mean, one time, talking about, uh, I call it the the unicorn stare, because when you, I mean, when these people see you for the first time, not always, but you know, when you're somebody of my proportions. Um, they tend to get this look on their face like they've seen a mythical beast that they weren't sure existed in reality until I this you moment. I thought a mythical beast when you first showed up. Because, yeah. Because I'm used to looking down on people for 15 years. I've been looking down on people. Yeah, has there been anybody taller Not than you in 15 years? <laughs> just you know, look, literally looking down on them. And then right. you come here and I'm like, oh my God, my neck can move a different way. Yeah. It, uh, was, it was pretty weird. I mean, I'm I'm so much taller than than everybody that it's it's shocking. I had one guy, I was at 7-Eleven and I was coming out and I could see him. He was he was trying to back out. Um, he was leaving and he saw me uh, and it was kind of dark out and he got the the stare, the unicorn stare. He had, you know, what what is this? And he kept backing up. He didn't see the car that was coming behind him and I mean, nearly smashed right into him. So it's interesting that, you know, there's kind of that, uh, that old uh, joke in America. You see a, beautiful woman walking down the street and you crash your car into a pole because you're so busy looking at her. I didn't think I was ever going to get that reaction. People uh, stared at me as well. And I, I'm 188 centimeters, six foot, two and some change. You're 
what, what, how tall are you? 194 centimeters. So six, almost six, five, six, four and a half. Okay. So I think I'm almost six, three. I want, I want to claim six, three, although I don't think I, I, I technically I am. want to claim I'm six, five, but yeah. Somebody in the audience, 188.5 centimeters, figure it out for me. But anyway, um, I'm tall enough to where I get the stairs as well. And then people come up to you and they're like, holy shit, how tall are you? And you're like 180 out. And they're like, whoa, I thought you were two meters. No, I'm pretty shy of two meters actually. But they're like, you're so huge. And then I just, is it just me or is it, do people always want to know how big your dick is? I've never been asked that, but then or you just didn't know. I'm not sure. That, I I've never I've never been asked the question. I don't think, but if they did ask me the question, I'm not sure I that I would have recognized sworn it. That we went out to have yakiniku with Mr. Kubota. That he uh, he made a reference to cock size, probably if, in reference to you, not to my. Me. I don't think my Japanese conversational ability is yet to the level where oh, no, I it understand. Was at the barbecue last weekend, and that's when I spread my hand, and I was. Oh, that's right. That was you bringing that up, though. That, no, that wasn't was them. No, that was Moto. That was okay. I, I was wrong. It wasn't Kubota. It was Moto. Okay. And that's when we talked. I I brought out my theory of like right. Your how when you open your hand up geometrical from the tip calculation of your thumb to the tip of your finger that's about the size of uh, of a dick. Right. I don't know if this is true or not. It's accurate for me, but it seems like it's accurate yeah. for me. And uh, yeah, you have big hands, right? I, yeah, I've, I've got. I've got that's, yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I got. It's weird. I have small hands for being a tall guy. I have that's, small hands. That's unfortunate for you. It's unfortunate for your wife. And you know what they say about guys with small hands, right? They got three kids. Small gloves. Yeah. Small gloves. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I living here in Japan, and maybe it's just because I have fourteen years to your one, but like people are always asking me how tall I am. And then when they get the chance, how big my dick is. See, I think you get to know people better than I do. I, I never get to the the relationships level that well, somebody feels comfortable asking is me. Like, is it like I've I I feel like we're good friends, right? But I've never asked you how big your dick is. No, I, because you wouldn't ask that as a. But, uh, but you know, it's a it's a cultural. Okay, um, what I, what I will say. This is what I will say. I've never been asked for my dick size. But I have been invited by several men to go to the onsen, and okay. uh, and you know bathe with them. And I have to assume getting naked is in, in the spa, right? And so they're they're not going to ask me, but they're like, you go take a bath together, go take a bath they together. Wanna, they want to start the legend. They do. It is Trevor. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been asked it a million times, and I think the thing that I really find striking is that, and maybe I'm getting to know them, or maybe I'm talking to them to the point where they feel like they're comfortable, or maybe I'm giving off a vibe where they feel like it's. But Jesus, man, these are people that like I wouldn't consider myself to be good friends. These are just students out of the blue. These are board of education members just out of wow. the fucking blue. Not even close friends. Like I, I have one close friend in the board of education. I think I think the difference Two, though is you you're you know 13 years better at Japanese than I am, uh, and so maybe. when people come to have a conversation with me, I struggle with the basics. Well, first of all, maybe, maybe so they they just maybe like it's, uh, maybe it's because you're not getting it. What would you call penis length in Japanese? I don't. I don't know. Uh, Nagisa's length, right? Okay, so here's why you're not getting. They probably asked you a million times, and you just never registered it. The Japanese for height. Go ahead, dude. Uh, height. Yeah, height. How tall uh, a sh- person is? Shincho. Shincho. Now you guess what it is for penis length. Is it shincho? It's chincho. Chincho. Maybe people Shin- have been they asking sound exactly me. Exactly like. And I've been people- telling people that my dick is six six five. And they're like, oh, these Americans are exaggerations. <laughs> well, maybe it's because, maybe you haven't registered it because it usually comes like this. 
how tall are you? Shincho Ikutsu or something like that. Right, right. And then they follow it up with like Shincho. And you're like, what? You just asked me that. Maybe you... Now that you know, you're gonna hear it. I'm gonna now hear it all the time. Gonna, now. The people are gonna be well, asking you how big your dick is. Why didn't? Why didn't you, you know? I want to know. You know, why didn't you make me a list of like these are the vital phrases that you need to know coming into Japan? Chincho, it's not vital. Number so one. It's, it's not vital, but I mean, I just I'm a tall guy. What I will say you're is you're a tall guy. I've, I've, and heard, I've been asking that a million times, so I thought, oh, he must be getting the same treatment. Oh, how big's your dick? How big's your dick? You must have a strapping cock. Actually, it's human sized. It's not even it's just, <laughs> just a normal. It's, You'd be surprised. You see me when it's cold outside, and it's like a little turtle head. It's possible. The kids. I what I will say. The kids, especially at the elementary school, will will say things that I don't understand and laugh, and then the that's teachers will is. give them it's, a stern it's look. It's, it's got to be. It, that's what it is. It's got to be. Because yeah. it would happen in class and shit. So that's got to be what it is. But now that you know, Chincho. Yeah. Never forget it. Never forget it. And I, I'll remember it, but I'll have to pretend like I have no idea what they're talking about. No, you just there have been just, there have been several. Do a, just dude, I'm a, I'm 194 <laughs> yeah. centimeters. It's huge. Shincho, you, you said, Shincho 194. I, I just Wait, told what? you that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, they just call me tripod. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really wanted you to do another year here in Japan. I know, largely you did. because we work out together. Yeah, and I need somebody to challenge me. Somebody who's younger, well, who, and more vibrant than I am. Yeah, who are you gonna have left? There's nobody else in town. I'm the only other white guy in town. Uh, the only guy to speak English with. Well, I mean, I got, I got. Uh, you got people you got to go travel to see. James That's, comes over. He works out Sunday morning, but like, I don't like working out in the morning. Yeah, you, you really want to work out. That's, that's why we've only worked out in the afternoon. Yeah, I've only worked out with him one time, and that's because I don't wake up in it's, the morning yeah. and I sleep. Mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. I mean, I don't wake up on weekdays either. Like, I'm always late for work, uh, especially now that I'm leaving. But. Uh, you know, you got to hit that alarm clock 12 times. It, it goes off at 7.30. I get up at the right time. You're not a morning person. I just, yeah. Well, it doesn't I've help. I've never seen I... you in the Grape Shack before noon. This is, and this this will probably come up quite a bit on this podcast. The Grape uh, Shack? The Grape Shack, yeah. It's a very... If, if I have anybody else on the podcast who, who... That has visited the Grape Shack. Other than James and uh, our, our, our our buddy from... From Holland. Oranda. Yeah. yeah. Who, who else... I don't know. Well, you know, I made those flyers for you, so just you oh. got to start recruiting. Uh, the Grape Shack is our workout facility. The G is usually silent. The pronunciation yes, of the yes G. it is. I'll let people think about and, that. Uh, and uh, be- because it lives up to the name, like if you were if you were going to think silent G Grape Shack, right? The image in your head would be well, exactly it, like what we're working out in. It's the kind of place that if you hadn't told me, like, oh, I got uh, you know, I got some weights in here, I would have. I would have probably not wanted to enter that building because uh, cobwebs, bees nests, bees nests dust yeah. from it's like a hundred years old. Our great grandmother's ancient All wares, that ancient have been bullshit, wrapped up. Yeah. yeah, just just junk mostly. Um, yeah, but you know, it, it, honestly, it, is, it was a lifesaver, and this this kind of gets back to something, uh, you know, some semblance of my experience here in Japan. But uh, you know, in in college, I played uh, ice hockey. I've always been. Well, not always been, but I, I am a big uh, sports guy. I like to work out, um, you know, never as fit as you want to be, but it, it's part of my lifestyle at home. And so when I came here, you know, there's a gym, but it's, it's what, like over half hour away. And it's, there's the grape shack. It's got a very high monthly fee. I'm not going to pay for that. Uh, it there's only to snow. one fee at the grape shack. You can't go outside. It's, your body. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> You do. You got to give a little piece to you yourself every time pain, you go in. A little, 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 <laughs> little bit of your soul. You got to leave it at the door. There is. I do like how you uh, you made a tip jar. You know that <laughs> feed my children. Feed my children. 
<laughs> you know, I've donated. Mm-hmm. Um, James finally bucked d- up. Did he donated. finally? Yeah, he donated. Good. Fifty yen. I've got. <laughs> He's got kids of his own. I can't blame him. I've 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 probably got hundreds of dollars worth of yen, one yen coins laying around that, that you when will you say be hundreds of dollars. You hundreds mean of yens prior of to dollars. conversion. Yeah, it's about in the current economy. It's about four bucks in the current. It was it was worth hundreds when I got here. Abenomics. It's working. It's working. Um, we got this. This is turning out to be an interesting conversation. I like how we're we're getting much rawer than we were at the beginning. Let's of, continue with this talk. Dick, dick talk is the best talk. I mean, come on. We're young, strapping men. Yes. Chincho yes, wa. By the way, let's just go ahead and get into this. Chincho wa. <laughs> uh, 194 centimeters. 194. There it is. Uh, that's what it is, dude. People are probably that that guy, Dick Face. Dick probably Face. intimidated by your chincho. Well, you know, Dick Dick Face. Speaking of him, like that, he's very passive aggressive. I found that a lot of people here in Japan uh, he's envious of your are very are and very passive aggressive. And your English. He is he is envious of my English. I know that much. Um, for somebody who you can tell takes his job really seriously, his English is. I mean, it's pretty good for a Japanese person, but I've, I've worked with far English from, teachers that far that from fluent. They're pretty horrible when it yeah. comes to like grammar and just speaking and listening comprehension. And yet, these people will come at you with like grammar questions, trying I've, to pinpoint a weak. Not because they have a question, but they're like they want to they want to prove you wrong. I've oh, had people come really? to me trying to prove that my English was nobody speaks perfect English, right? But it's funny that these guys, the, and this is not the majority of teachers that I worked with, it's just a few, but like these guys who had horrible English were trying to pinpoint errors in my English. Wow. Yeah. That's really... You ever had that? Sad. Uh, I, I've i had a couple questions uh, from him, but he seems to, to legitimately take my answers. That's usually the way, like people yeah. come to you with a question because they want to learn something. Yeah. But it's there's always a couple of dicks out there that like have horrible English and that because of that they've got like this chip on their shoulder because in Japan there's this sort of expectation that if you're a teacher and you teach a specific field you should know everything about you're that. an expert you're yep. like a god it's not like it's different than the expert mentality in the United States it's like teachers in Japan have this unholy authority over everything they're never wrong uh, and it's changing. Japan is definitely moving away from that mentality and things are loosening up a bit, but it's still much worse than it is in the United States. But, I mean, there's no way. I mean, I, I did two years of, of Japanese in college. There's no way that in four years, even if I majored in it, that I would be fluent, completely fluent in Japanese. There's no way that somebody who's going to become a middle school teacher here, I assume you're not just studying English, you're studying education. I, I just can't see there being any way that you're going to become fluent in English I mean, completely. And so, um, and I have, I mean, I have and yet that's the various levels. That they're portraying. Right. I have one teacher who majored and wanted to become a social studies teacher, but yeah. his English was just passable enough about, that he... At least he, he's clear about sucking in English. He, I've had teachers that at least like, he's don't open. ever correct me. Like, they write something retarded on the chalkboard. Uh-huh. It's either just blatantly misspelled or the grammar is just horrendous. Horrible. And then I'm like, well, actually, that's not... Right. For whatever reason, it could be the usage is wrong, or you point it out to them in, in class, and they just try to ignore you. The teacher will just try to ignore you. I've, I've and I, I do it so politely. I'm like, well, actually, it's a little different. You know, yeah. I, I go, I, I, I've never tried to correct a teacher class, in class. The teacher will come up to you. I've had this happen to me on three different occasions with three different teachers because I thought 
based on I had like a really good relationship with right the teacher, that you that they I would want they would, yeah I thought the correct thing to be open, taught to the kids yeah that kind of thing not in the classroom bro because they are a god in the classroom and you do not right. correct a god after the class they came up to me and they're like don't correct my English in class I'm like well you're writing it on the board and they're writing it in their notebooks and they're gonna have because Japanese kids they save their notebooks forever like my my wife I'm sure she's still got. Her junior high school notebooks, like wow, they, people they save I didn't shit know that. here. Yeah, they save shit here, and they they take it very seriously. And I'm like, they're writing it in their notebooks. Like they should have access to. to I'm here. My job is as a as a native English speaker is to provide you with native English, and I'm telling you that that's not English, <laughs> and I don't think it should be on the chalkboard because kids are writing it down in their notebooks, and they're gonna remember fucked up English. And so ten years down the road. When I go to get a Slurpee, not that there's Slurpees here, but the kid at the convenience store says something retarded that he learned from his fucking English teacher when I was there and I could have corrected the mistake. And they just don't want to have it. They're like, don't, don't correct me. Because it's, I don't know, there's, there's an ego yeah. that goes along with being yeah. a teacher here yeah. that I wasn't prepared for. And it's a really interesting mix Isn't of... is weird? That, they, like, look, they look down on you because you're not an educator. You're not a real teacher. Which is fair. That's true. you're not Japanese. But, you know, just... It's it's really interesting. Japan in general, the way Japanese people kind of, I feel like they view me, and and I haven't, you know, I haven't heard anything directly to this effect. But it's interesting because you, f- you get the feeling, and maybe, I'm sure you've experienced this as well, that they're kind of looking down on you as a foreigner, as you know, and and just to be here as a foreigner. There's stereotypes out there about foreigners being buffoons and, yet and, yet and Japan foolish. Has an inferiority complex when it they comes do. to foreigners. Not, and I'm not just talking about Chincho here, which <laughs> they have that as well. But, like, um, ever since losing the war and sort of, like, the birth of democracy in Japan, like, the birth of, of capitalism and, the, like, they have, they'll, they'll talk about it openly. Like, yeah. I, the, when I came here, I don't know if you know the word akogareru. Are you familiar with that? Like, I'm not, no. It means to long for. You look it up in your dictionary and it says to long for. But yet they're always, people would come up to me and they'd be saying, I long for American culture. Ah, so Kubota. And I would be like, what are, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you're there, longing there, for American culture? There is. There's this, there's they, this it, intense desire to experience American culture. At the same time, when there's an actual American around, they kind of look down on you a little bit. Right. Well, I mean, it doesn't – what I came to find out is it doesn't really mean – I mean, it can mean long for, but what it, what it really means is that, like um, – they think it's cool. Yeah. They think the American lifestyle is the shit and they wish that they could live the American lifestyle. Guns, I've had people fast tell me cars, that. loose women. I've had people tell me this and yet at the same time... Massive hamburgers. For reasons that are completely understandable to me, they look down on America. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with our foreign policy, going to war all the time uh, and, and maybe... Well, they're very, they, so, have, they have a lot of national pride for a country that seems to hate itself. Right. Yeah, it's it's a, so it's we, a paradox. It's it's, it's an it's interesting a, it's an interesting combination between like an inner feeling that we are the best country and an and outward humbling of oh we suck. It's it's a very weird After living here for 14 years, I want to say that they feel them simultaneously. They do. Yeah, they really express them it in different ways right. in different hours. But you can you can go from like people telling you, "Oh, America, what a what like here's here's something I hear. Uh, the the ideal life is a Japanese wife, 
Chinese food and the American lifestyle. Wow. I've heard this a number of times. It's a, it's an old saying. So again, people longing for the American lifestyle here, but yet in the same breath, they'll just start digging in on you and be like, Japan is number like they want to say they want Japan it. is number one. They they don't have the yeah. I mean, in America, we're we're free. We're open to we have the kind of the same thing though. We're we're open to saying United States number one. We're the best. Right at the same we've time, we've had a problem with that. Well, we've right, had a, we've had quite the problem, but it's getting better. It's There's a lot of a little bit, but we have America we have a lot of we have a lot of national pride. Sure. At the same time, when you're talking about domestic policy, there's a lot of people that are really upset, and you hear this country used to be great. What's happened? America is is falling behind. So we have we have a lot of internal feelings of we're falling off the map. We're we have our own sort falling of apart complex, right? And at the same time, we have I this feeling feel like we're we number take one. It seriously. I think as people, here I think the idea of American exceptionalism is just a deep rooted because sure, I feel it. Sure. I feel it too. And sure. it was interesting coming to Japan because yeah, you feel very strongly that you come from, you know, this very strong economically, mili- you know, militarily strong country. Um, and you know, somebody who studied Japanese culture to some extent, Japanese history has a great respect for the country even so, coming here, it's not America. It's blatantly clear you're not in America anymore. So I get the sense still that a lot of Japanese people think that they're number one. Just, I, I get just, that feeling too. Just I recently do. in an English class that I had. So they must have the same sort of like... A, but does anybody really feel like their country is not number one? I mean, I'm, yeah, you're there right. are a lot of countries that are not number one. I, I won't even claim. If you look at it objectively that America is the best country on earth. I love America. I have a lot of pride in my country, but at the same time, we have a lot of problems. Sure. Um, and I think every country does. But are there countries out there where people are like, oh, yeah, our country sucks? Probably. But, I, you know, a lot of countries, I think, have a lot of pride. And, and um, But, yeah, Japan is, is definitely got some very interesting uh, perspectives of itself. We, we were talking in, in one of my English classes, which is a group adult English conversation class that I've been teaching basically since I got here for you know over a decade. And these people are in their uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s for the most part. Uh, they're, the old, they're all very old-timers. successful. Yeah, I, I love this class. I love these people. They're still, because I feel like they're the, they're the people that lay it bare. I've yeah. finally gotten to the point where, like... After 14 what, years? It's Well, it, it started... Like, it, the class started to get interesting, like, the fifth year. Okay. For five years, I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't want to <laughs> this class. It was so boring. It, and, yeah. then, and, then, and then it just started just taking off and now it's like it's the one point in the week where i'm like i just look forward to the i mean i there's some lessons that i look forward to but i really look forward to this lesson because i feel like these people are my friends and they can open up to me it's basically the same group of of people and we we were talking about um uh safety uh sort of uh, the, there's like an international ranking of nations and which nations are I think it's called the Peace Index. I, I, I may be botching this. But anyway, there's a ranking of nations okay. based on sort of like internal security, ex- external security, personal security. In, in other words, like how often you're going to go to the mall and get shot at by some lunatic who's on Adderall and has like in America guns strapped to his body. Anyway, all, all these things. And then they give the country a rating. And Japan was number eight. Mm-hmm. And they just were like, what? <laughs> they're like eight like no it's got to be in the top two or three if not number one they were just like they were blown away that japan was the eighth this safest is, country in the world it's got a 
pretty big population though. When you look at when you look at any of those indexes, the ones that are always one, two, three, they're all, I mean, pretty small countries that you know. Uh, what what word do I you think, remember? I think I think that, that if I'm if I'm America could, must have been in the in the bottom. I didn't <laughs> bottom actually 50. get down that far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got tired of scrolling. No, but um. I'm, I could be wrong, but I think that they adjust for populations. It's like okay. per capita type statistics okay. and whatnot. But Japan was eight. But when you look at things like the longest lifespan. I want to say Iceland was number one, yeah, which well, is a small population. But yeah, I, exactly. again, I don't think it's – I think it's adjusted for population. But they were just shocked. They were shocked that Japan wasn't like the number one safest country in the world. But yeah. Japan has a huge military. It that, does. That takes away from the okay. safety index. Yeah. Well, but I don't think they view that. Like it's when, a self-defense force. It's a self-defense force. It's now being mobilized with, because the yeah, Constitution has changed. With with it's aircraft different. carriers and tanks and planes. and That's like the whole big thing right now is changing the Constitution so that Japan can uh, basically help fight America's wars of uh, yeah. well, and they, and they, imperialism. They say, <laughs> well, we need every every hand we can get. And so does Japan. Europe is sick of it, so. Well, we shouldn't go too far off down a political sidetrack, but... Um, Okay, let's, let's get back to this question. You, you didn't answer it. We, we, we've delved into the shit. We didn't even really, I don't even think we've, I don't think we vocalized more than 5% of like your feelings and your experiences. Yeah. I, I, want, I want to say that it's isolation. You're in the countryside. There's nothing going on. You're linguistically isolated. You're culturally isolated. You're sort of socially isolated in the sense that there's not too many people that you can communicate with. Right. And you're stuck here. And your job sucks. It's like a nine-hour uh, Monday through Friday thing, and uh, you're, you're sick of it. And the, the money doesn't even matter anymore. Right. But what are the good? What's the What's the good? What okay. can you take away from this that you could put a positive spin on? Well, m- money aside, which to be fair was a driving factor in not only money, my decision money, to come money, here. Money. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was good money. money. It was better money when I signed the contract. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a separate. But uh, the the value of the yen decreased by about twenty yeah, percent since I got here. So I your signed salary the, got cut by twenty percent. I I signed the contract to you know to make a good chunk of money and, and had uh, no idea that the prime minister of Japan would fuck you in the ass. Twenty percent, so thousands Abinomics. thousands of dollars yeah. vanished just Plenty in yeah, just in uh, currency fluctuations. So, yeah, that that was really hard to watch because it was like every day I'd wake up and my money would be worth less. I got to say, big shout out to you for spending some of your funny money on this recording equipment. Today would not be possible without the uh, sponsorship of Trevor, a one-year cloud who made a larger impact on me than many six or seven or eight-year clouds. Making dreams come true. Making dreams come true. Brought to you by Trevor. I'm just going to have to open up every podcast with, brought to you by Trevor. (laughs) Well, yeah, and the Grape Shack. And the Grape Shack. Stop by for a free two-week workout membership. Uh, but, I mean, no, so so I had I, – I wanted to save some money before I went back. And so, you know, here you can't spend a lot of money. There's no place to spend it. It's you know? like being in the military. It is. So you got a, you got a bank account. Cash, well, you, you can only spend so much of it on food, and after that there's yeah. nothing to, to buy. So, uh, I mean, that was nice. But there were there were a couple things. One, when I left – um, part of, part of my driving 
motivation was I'm somebody who I haven't lived on my own a whole lot. Uh, you know, I moved out for a couple summers. I lived with some friends, but most of the time I was in college. Uh, you know, I was living at home and there's, you know, you start to get older and there's this opinion that starts to kind of float around the family that you're not capable. Well, that, that might be too. I don't, (laughs) you never know what they're saying behind your back, but uh, I know that rumor was out there that I was lazy, that I wasn't capable of living alone or that I didn't want to get a job or I couldn't hold a job or, you know, there were, there were all these things. Seriously? You had, you had rumors like that about you? Well, yeah, my dad. My dad was convinced I wouldn't be able to do a year here. Okay, so um, this, this is a, this is a daddy issue. Well, some of it, yeah, some of it. Um, Everybody's got those. Uh, you know, and my 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 relatives, my grandmother especially. She you invested, suck, Trevor. You're not going to make it. There's no she, way you're going to make it. She invested a lot of money to get me through college, and and thanks to her, I don't have any student loans because she she. God you know, bless grandmothers. Exactly. She paid the bill as I went along. Deep, deep pockets. Part of the reason it took me so many years because I, I couldn't afford to do a full 12 credits a term. I had to I had to reel it back so we could pay it off as I went. So I was doing eight or nine credits a term. This is not this is not rumors about people saying, this is just your father saying, oh, he's not going to make my, my, it. My, yeah, but my father – so I, I wanted to prove to her that the money she had spent uh, – was, was well spent. was well spent that I that I was gonna make something of myself because she's getting up there in years and so she's a member of the sister city committee she, she is did she, she just joined after you were selected or was no she, already... she she was the driving factor for me uh, finding out about the sister city I gotta meet your grandma you do because she's I'm, a, a, I'm I'm a member on both sides I'm sure the, I'm sure next time you you come to to uh, America you will I've meet seen her. a picture she has nice teeth yes yeah, those are in fact her teeth <laughs> I think those are dentures but okay. well, she, she does nice have very dentures. nice dentures she has very nice dentures yeah. Um, and make sure to compliment her on her dentures. Right. And so there was a lot Those of that. Those are nice dentures you have. <laughs> Please don't say Should that. Just bring it out. Please don't say that. No. And if she's Go listening to this, first. she might listen to this someday. She's I don't not going to listen to this. Does I'm, she even know how what a podcast is? Yeah, I play like, a pod? You're not one of those pod people, are you? <laughs> She's, she's a pretty. She's in China for eight years. She's a she's, a she's a pretty uh, hip hip old. Lady. You know she she sends me she's emails once a week. She obviously knows about technology. Every weekend I get an email from her because yeah. she wants to stay in touch. Does she actually open the computer and write the email? She does all by herself. Jesus. Yeah, it's very impressive. She's, she is hip. Yeah, she's got her own computer and everything. Hmm. Not bad for what eighty three. But uh, no, nice I, I had I had something to prove. I really wanted to to show that I could do this. And to part Grammy of that was to Papa. Yeah. Well, I signed a contract for a year. Uh-huh. If I bail out on that contract, it's what, a fucking contract in a foreign country. It, it is no, but they would it never was see what, you again. They wouldn't. Time stop. And no that's why I almost that's why I almost bailed. But yeah. but if I bail out on this one year commitment, I signed up. I signed a commitment to the school, to the city. The sister city back My in Oregon. My sister had a year in a foreign country. I want to say it was uh, Norway. Yeah. She bailed out after like yeah. a one or two months. A lot of people do. But yeah. my personal code... It if, does if not, you will, it's, it's not I, even I, a part of who she is now. I, I, but I can't. I didn't want to fail at the time. I was dealing with a lot of issues at home, and I was. I felt like I was losing a lot. I was losing a lot I'm of not battles. A failure, God damn it. The only way for me to win was to not let the school get to me, not let all the problems that I was dealing with—the weather and the and the freezing cold and lack of exercise and the and the gaining weight—and I wasn't going to let it beat me. I wasn't going to let the I'm language. So hard right now, yeah. Like, don't I, let them get to you. Yeah, I had I had Thick to succeed. Skin. I needed to win, and so that was part of what drove me through those those dark winter months. Was I I have to do this. This is something that I have to do because if, if I you leave could early. Give some advice to future rural small town ALTs who 
are no doubt excited yeah. about being selected to coming to Japan. I mean, you well, feel free to think let, about yeah, it. Yeah. What, what would you no, say I to mean, these new recruits? So, so we, I mean, we were talking, we got a little sidetracked on, on money, but there, there are a lot of good things, and especially in retrospect, looking back on them. Oh, I'm, that, I mean, I'm so. Bad. I mean, I, like, do you no, have we've, advice about well, new yeah, recruits. Yeah, I do. This is kind of a, a broad topic, but I mean, you were asking me about the good things, and so I, I want to clarify that there are a lot of good things that came from this experience. You probably won't even see them until you get back, though. I mean, well, no, I've seen quite a few of them. I mean, my time, probably the last couple months, is really when I feel like I've kind of gotten back to being myself a little bit. Um, I mean, it took me it took me probably eight months to to work through that culture shock, and and kind of feel like I was starting to stabilize. Because um, it was ups, it was downs, it was day to day. I mean, there'd be days I'd wake up and I'd have a great day, and I'd be you know playing with the kids at, at recess, and you know I'd get through a whole complicated conversation in Japanese at work that I wasn't able to do a couple like, months I ago. Am fucking and killing you, it. You, yeah, you feel like just a beast. You're like, Fuck yeah! My you know? teen show is amazing I'm winning. as well. I'm winning right now. <laughs> and then you'd wake up the next day, you go to school, and like the first thing you'd you'd hear, you'd go in, and somebody'd be trying to talk to you, and you don't understand a goddamn word that they're saying, not they're a like, single thing. And you're like, oh geez, like yesterday I was having such a good day, and now I don't understand anything. I'm getting worse. I'm regressing. And then you go, and and the kids are are shy, and they don't want to talk to you, and the teachers, you know, coming down on you because you were five minutes late, and it's like. You know, all of a sudden, all your momentum from the day before is gone, and you just want to go home. You just want to hide under your bed. I did, at least. I mean, that that's kind of my personality type, which is part of why I wanted to stick this out, because I really wanted to prove to myself that, that I was capable of doing it, even, you know, not not just telling my family, showing my family I was able to do it. I wanted to prove to myself that I was capable of doing so it. So when you go back, and you see your father, and you're like, <laughs> I did well, it, bitch. You know, you know what? I found out. So I before I left, he he was convinced I wouldn't be able to do a year. He actually said that, not not to me. He told he told my sister. You suck. He told my sister like ah he won't he won't last a year. And so she came back to me, knowing that she would she would pass that along to you. Or do you think he's He's naive about? He's kind of naive. He's kind of oblivious to to. He's not gonna make it. He's he's not gonna. Maybe it wasn't a secret. I don't know. But uh, I mean, he he and I don't talk a whole lot. You know, couple couple times a week maybe. And so, yeah, I don't. I don't know. You're gonna go back and be like, "See, but, I made it." And he's gonna be like, "What no, are you talking about?" No, in, like, around Christmas time, I couldn't do it, but I did it. And he's gonna be like, "I don't know." What, what are you talking about? I, I don't even remember yesterday, bro. <laughs> he does smoke a lot of weed, a lot more now that it's legal. Uh, Take some Advil, people. Advil, save that memory. Brought to you by Advil. Brought to you by Advil, my first sponsor for the podcast. Yeah. Advil, helping you save memories when you're high. <laughs> But no, I found out Christmas time rolls around, and uh, he's he's talking to my mom, and he ain't uh, gonna make it. He's no, it was uh, he won't make it two years. All of a sudden, one year was easy, easy mode. He's That's not, called changing the goalposts. Yeah, he's he's not gonna make it. There's That's no called changing the There's no way he'll do a second year. He, 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 you know, he won't do a second year. Oh, he won't do five. He won't do you five. Motherfucker, <laughs> I've been here for ten years now. What do I gotta do? So I had to keep you out of the country. Yeah, it was probably good. I kind of realized that there's there's never gonna be any way to really to really prove anything. You can't to him. please your father. It's just not no. possible. But the other thing I will say is that as you know, you you work your way through this this curve and and first yeah you have elation which was my vacation and you have this deep valley the where, elation vacation right the, the honeymoon's over and all of a sudden Followed everything by the fellation. yeah everything annoys you the language by annoys the you the food is fucking awful because it's different and you just want a pizza you don't like the and, food I love the food no I I do like the food I like Japanese food before I came here but you get to a point where you can't get 
you know, Japanese food was, food was one of my favorites. I could do without. Yeah, I, I've had that a couple times. But no, I mean, Japanese food is one of the foods that you eat. I eat maybe once a month at home, once or twice a month. You go get sushi or you go get some some. Uh, wasn't available rice. in Oregon back when I lived there. Really? Yeah. Well, for the most part, there was. I think yeah, it's before up, I moved out. There were like maybe one or two. It's big sushi now. joints that had, yeah, they, it's, it's super blowing big. the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. but um, no, I mean, I, I liked it. It was one of my favorite foods, but it wasn't something I would eat, you know, weekly, let alone daily. And so you come here, and all of a sudden, all the things that I like, I really like Mexican food. Can't get it here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you you know, can you can get it in Tokyo, but it's I really like Italian it's food. It's hard to find it like a decent. Mexican yeah, you can't, restaurant. You can't find good Italian food here. You can find Japanese Italian. It's really you can popular. Find... They Japanese the, most of the But Italian see, that's food. the thing. I mean, I don't like real... I've been to Italy. I don't like real Italian food. I like Americanized Italian food, but you can't... Even, Americanized Italian food. Yeah. So. I mean, I went to Olive Garden here in Japan. Yeah. You just like the free breadsticks, bro. It's not. It's not Olive Garden. Like, it's, where's it's my Japan Olive Garden? I eat breadsticks. I'm carb-loading, <laughs> carb bitch. God, I, I do. I do miss those breadsticks. They're uh, pretty good. Uh, yeah and so i mean yeah you start to get annoyed by everything you hate everything lack of breadsticks is getting to you yeah and i have i already have uh, mild problems with things like uh i wouldn't say insomnia full-blown insomnia but i i do have a problem sleeping uh so those, i have ringing so in my blue ear screens playing games late at night i play a lot of video games late into the night yeah, and yeah so I, I mean i don't sleep i don't sleep that well but it's worse here it's hard to sleep on the floor there's Your weird problem is outside. more with games than, than the, with the sun the sun comes up at four in the morning like wait every morning four in the morning i wake yeah, up yeah i have noticed that japan's sunrise is is ridiculous it's horrible it's a farmer so they, they set is. their clock so that like the sun rises at 4 a.m and 4 you're like get out there it's, it's so fucking bright too you know it's the brightest country Brightest country, yeah. I, and it's amazing that nobody wears sunglasses. I'm, I never see people wearing sunglasses here. Does it, I think it has to do with, like, the the color of the eye. Like, it, I think blue is that, eyes is that or like brown eyes or actually so. have higher sensitivity. That could be. I could be wrong, but I, th- I want to say I've, that. I've, I've always this. wondered, I mean... I think Japanese people have pointed out to me, Japanese eyes are better adapted to Japanese yeah. sun. Well, and if you look, if you look <laughs> at... I, 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 I swear I'm not being racist here, but, I mean... Asian people and Japanese people have have you know much narrower eyes than than we do in the West. Racist. It's not racist. And what I notice is I I can't go. Out, I go outside. Racist. And I squint, and it doesn't help. Like oh, the, you're making squinty eyes at people. I'm now. not making squinty eyes at oh people. Oh my god! But just come to this. Just Trevor. just just trying to squint to be able to see in the sunlight is not enough. You I need sunglasses to be it's able to bright, see. Brighter than a motherfucker. It's and then you're brighter in your bed, than the face. You're of the trying sun. to sleep and like. Through your eyelids. Yeah. It's you, like daylight. Think, oh, it must be like 8 a.m. Considering how bright it is right now. I, no, it's 4 in the fucking morning. Yeah. I got a, I got a sunburn through my t-shirt one time. Like, it is ridiculous. Well, you are pretty, I'm pretty pale. fucking white. I'm, I'm pretty bro. pale. Yeah, but the thing is, through your shirt. white gets. Through your t-shirt. And the, I wear pretty heavy t-shirts. Yeah. So, I mean, that was pretty shocking. It's, the altitude probably has something to do with it, too. Yeah. What's the altitude? I mean, I'm. I, I don't know, but we're we're up in the mountains, yeah. so yeah, that could be part. Of, I I don't spend a lot of time up in this altitude. We're like range. twenty two hundred feet, really. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, we're I, I know we're pretty high because every time I go down off the mountain, my ears yeah. have to pop. So we're twenty two, and so when you stand out there watching the soccer team practice at three in the afternoon, you will have a ridiculous sunburn. Yeah, yeah. I, I I spent one one hour outside one day when it the 
spring had come and the snow was melting and we had one really nice day and I'd been cold for six months. I'd been freezing my ass off. And so we had one nice day. I went out, uh, I took my chair outside because of course I'm not teaching classes <laughs> and uh, I took, I took you a took chair. You're a teacher. You took your chair outside. <laughs> I took my chair outside and I sat on the, enjoy we have, time. we have a balcony. Yeah. And, and I sat, like, this guy is American. I don't understand what he's doing. I went out, I sat, I had my, I had a book, the sun, bitch. I had my sunglasses and I sat on the balcony and I read my book. Amaterasu, the fucking, the God that created the God Japan. of the sun. Yeah, sun I'm God. worshiping the lumen. I worship the lumens. The lumen, yeah. The luminator. The lumens. Uh, and yeah, I got a sunburn in less than an hour of sitting out there, and it was bad. I mean, my my face was peeling. Noise. And... What do you think about noise in Japan? I was I was talking to you about how like when I lived in this apartment, I would hear these explosions. Yeah, you had you had the, the crow morning. cannons. Uh... I didn't even know what the fuck they were. <laughs> I would just hear these like these loud explosions. Yeah, I, louder than fireworks. And I'm... I was like, what? Like gunshots? It sounds exactly. The... And you're just like, oh fuck! It just wake, you, wakes you up in a jolt, and you're like, what, what? is going on? And then like, what do they do now? Sporadically, for every them? like five or ten minutes, it just keeps going off. And so, I didn't know what they were. I was like, yeah. what the fuck is someone shooting guns in the morning? Do they go have target practice outside? Right outside my door? No, they uh, they had cannons to scare away crows in the rice fields. That automatically start at like five in the fucking morning because yeah. everybody in Japan wakes up at five in the morning. They do. Luckily, I I don't have to deal with the cannons. I don't know they're gone now, but uh, I've had they must have found better ways to deal with <coughs> errant crows. Yeah, I've had I've had my fair share of uh you know the cicadas were definitely a shock when I got here. Definitely. Loudest loudest animal insect of all time just. <laughs> Yeah, and especially the other apartment yeah. I was staying in, the walls were paper thin, literally. And, uh, I mean, those things were right outside the window, so I couldn't sleep for three days when I got here. Um, yeah. Because they had a frequency that is just... droning. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like nails insane. on a chalkboard. It's, it's horrible. Uh, I got buglers, as as you told me. We yeah, got they, the, the local volunteer fire department decides yeah. to bugle yeah. right outside my apartment. Yeah. So, f- like, f- six in the morning on Sundays, six in the morning... On my weekend, they will be out there. Did I tell you that away. I got roped into joining that group again? Oh, the first time. The, yeah. So yeah, I was yeah, doing you your did. job. I'm a, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a teacher in Japan. Uh, you know, just trying to fit in. And the head of the board of education shows up at my school one day, and he invites me into the principal's office because he has something to ask me. And I sit down, and he's like, "Yeah, um, we want to do a photo shoot for to promote." The voluntary, it's actually an involuntary fire department, by the way, but we'll get into that later, to, to promote the voluntary fire department. So we'd like you to dress up in the clothing of the voluntary firefighters. The bait and switch. And show up for a... Uh, just one a time. Sh- uh, like a photo shoot. Yeah, one time. And I said, just one time in a, in a thing? And he's like, yeah, just one time. In Japan, you have to be careful because just one time can mean forever. They, like... He never, the, the head of the Board of Education who convinced me to wear the suit and show up for a photo shoot, never told me, or sorry, never told them, that is the local fire department. That this was a one-time deal. He told them I was joining. And so yeah. they, they just pestered me like, you coming out for practice tonight? Coming out for practice tonight? And I would try to skip because I'm tired after working. And just they would, go just, home and sleep, they would yeah. just come right out in front of my apartment and just start bugling straight at my apartment after I had said, and I think I'm that's, not coming in tonight or after I'm busy. Hear, yeah. After hearing that story, just I swear. Fuck with me. They, they, don't, they don't know why, but I think that's why. 
they, it's just become a tradition. That's where they practice. Yeah, but they used to practice originally. Up the road. Yeah, originally the road. it was just to, to it fuck with you. It was when I started skipping out yeah, it was on the fuck practices with you. that they would move down right in front of this apartment complex and direct their horns yeah. right at the apartment complex. And they just realized that the acoustics are better there. So now they, they keep doing it. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's... I was, I was, I mean, I don't want to go too far on a tangent about the volunteer fire department here. I Luckily, I've never had to deal with them other the than the night The involuntary, we... voluntary fire department? Yeah, but yeah. what's amazing is that there are so many of them. How many, how many do we you have, have here in our to, small town? You have to send one person from every house. It's a rule. So one person from every house in town has to be a part of the the involuntary fire, voluntary yeah, fire department. The, yes, in, that's right. The involuntary fire department. One that's... person per house insane yeah i, I, I assume somebody else about, in this house is, and i was yeah. like why why because mostly what they do is just play their bugle they don't practice like, are, how many how fires. many how many house fires are there in this town every year if you had to, well japan had to has a tradition of having a shit ton of fires it's like historically like housing close together one house and they're all wood or straw and so then a house catches on fire because and the whole block is on fire yeah they have fires indoors a lot and a lot of smokers. All the smokers, yep. And, um, yeah, and so one house burns down, and it burns down an entire block. And That's why there's a fire department in every block, literally. I mean, right? it made sense back when there weren't professional fire departments. But we have professional fire departments in Japan now. And so it is simply carried on as a tradition. They do love their Traditions. useless traditions yeah. here. And they don't even, a lot of times, like, Japanese people don't even understand the meaning of the traditions. Right. For example... One of the activities of the involuntary voluntary fire department is that for the last four days leading up to the new year, the um, people will meet at different clubhouses around the town and drink. And in the case of my area, watch 1980s VHS porn videos. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty awkward. Big, big hair? Pretty awkward. Are we I, talking Japanese? Are we talking complete Western? Complete mosaic. Mo- Japanese. Oh, okay. Complete mosaic. This is 1980s. What, what, did, what did 1980s Japanese people look like? What was their fashion? Was it... Because I have a very strong impression of what Western culture was like at that time, but... But you... I noticed bangs that were, like, up in, like, Aquanet style, like, hair. Interesting. It was... No, not perms, though. The, the I believe there were perms the... as well. Yes, okay. perms as well. Anyway... I, to be honest with you, I've tried to block a lot of this out of my memory. but yeah, um, I'm interested now. But the tradition is that you – so you, you get together at 8, a, at 8 p.m. and you drink. And then every hour on the hour, you go out into the neighborhood and you walk around the neighborhood banging sticks together. And checking out – like you've got flashlights and shit. You're looking into people's cars trying to determine if they're, if their cars are unlocked or if there's any valuables left in their cars or if there's any – uh, like bicycles or anything that so are outside the house that could be stolen that are not locked up. One day a year, you get to walk around the neighborhood and be creepy. It really creepy. Wow. And I and I so I'm saying I said to these guys, "What the fuck are we doing?" <laughs> and they're like, "What are you talking about? Like, there's a lot of crime and shit, you know." And I'm like, "There's no crime. There, there's literally no. It's there was snow out. It was like minus six or seven. We were. Oh, it was so fucking cold." And um, it was just quiet, and there's 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 no crime. It's like leading up to like the biggest holiday in Japan, the New Year. There's no crime, and uh, but what I came to find out when I asked somebody who's like 90 years old, like why did why do we do this? Is that traditionally a long time ago in Japan, you would have to pay back all your debts before the New Year rolled over. This doesn't exist anymore. We have modern banking in Japan, but this 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 
traditional Four, system 400 of year back, old yeah whatever 200 year 150 200 years, years old system this the tradition of like paying all your debts off before the new year and thus having a crime spree mm-hmm. directly prior to the new year for people that were struggling to pay back their loans mm-hmm. that's all gone now but they still go out the last four days bang on sticks to try and scare away criminals they're, they're trying to we're here we're watching we're banging on <laughs> sticks don't try to steal anything to pay back your fucking you pay back your loans what they should but i asked them why are we doing this and none of the guys knew what what so then sh- i explained it to them oh this really? is why we're doing it you they're got like, to explain it to them yeah they're like oh shit i had no idea wow impressive and it, it's like that all the time like have you ever noticed like teachers before they go on to the stage, they bow they, to the back of the stage. They do. Do they you know bow why? To, well, aren't the flags usually there? You're right. And so everybody thinks, oh, it's the school flag. It's the flag of Japan. Right. No, traditionally, it was the picture of the emperor. Really? And that was why when you mounted a stage, you would bow to the emperor how before v- taking the stage. How very North the, Korean of them. The tradition continues to this day. should be pointed out there are no longer pictures of the emperor hanging around the school. You bow to the... Ap- and so some teachers know that that's traditionally where the, the picture of the emperor went. Old, older teachers, right? But most of the younger teachers have no idea why they bow every time. That, everybody does it, so I'm going to do it too. Right. Yeah, and I, I told somebody, I told a younger teacher in his 30s, you know, that's because there used to be a picture of the emperor. There. He's like, fuck, I had no idea. I wouldn't bow then. I, <laughs> I'm not a follower of the emperor system. And I'm like, and yet... In a way, you, you kind still of are. are. Yeah, everybody is. Um, yeah, I mean, even so, like the question I had. Uh, so every day after school at the middle school, the kids have to uh, to help clean the school. Yeah, uh, which I think is a is a good system. Yeah, it's nice. Self responsibility. Um, exactly. I clean think it teaches them. Messes. There's there's no way it would fly in America. You'd have so many parents. First of all, f- there's a lot of fat kids in America who can't <laughs> bend over to pick can't up bend pick over. up trash. Yeah, but I mean, you have parents. My kid's not a janitor. How dare you? This isn't their job. Their job is to be a student. They're not paid. There'd yeah. be there'd be there'd this be is riots. Good. You pointed out you pointed out something that I think is a positive experience that Americans can learn from. I think there's a lot of. I mean, there's a clean lo- up after your own messes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's school. Um, Teach kids self responsibility. You do. I, the kids here, like it's such an interesting mix of. I feel like they're more childish, even at the junior high level, as far as having a, you know, I hear they would say what, like a youthful spirit, but the kids are allowed to be kids. And I feel like in middle school, everybody was trying to be so adult and grown up and here they have no problem just being kids for a little bit longer. Um, and they're start. you can tell they're starting to make that transition towards high school, but it is definitely like now they that seem, you're a middle school student, you are no longer a kid. Right. Because even today in Japan, uh, junior high school is the end of mandatory education. Right. You don't technically have to go to high school in Japan. Yeah. But I, I find that I think they act, they still act a little bit more childish than, than what I would consider American students to act like. I don't know. Have, but, you, have no, you seen a lot of junior high school Americans? No, I guess not. But at the same, no, because what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about is their, their, I'm talking about their, yeah, their interests, their activities, their hobbies. Innocent and pure in the sense that like, exactly. All I want to do is play baseball. All I want to do is play baseball. Baseball, 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 baseball. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I don't want to do drugs on the corner and bang bitches. Exactly. But at the same time, at the same time, they are so much more responsible. They have so much more personal responsibility and accountability. Yeah. That it's ridiculous. I mean, you have you have kids that are, 
in fifth grade that are more responsible than some high schoolers and they that get I've home met. at like 6 p.m at night they do i mean they're there it's like a, it's like they're there all day job. they get there they wake up at what six in the morning and they're there all day all they, day yeah club yeah. activity two times yeah. a day like or student government student government where they're you know i yeah it's really really impressive to me to see how much responsibility and how how well they handle that responsibility one of the things i really liked was the the school carnival at the elementary school and I, or the school festival i suppose but they it was very interesting because you had the students divided into two groups you had the the first through fourth graders and then the fifth and sixth graders and it was the responsibility of the fifth and sixth graders to help build the different attractions and then run it for right. the younger kids and so it was like their job they're to much put on managing they are yeah it's like we're going to we're going to delegate but i mean even things like having um uh, the Toban, the people in charge of... Do you think of... a lot of that is the fact that Japan has this, like, um, elder versus junior, senpai, kohai, or... Relationship. Kakari, the person who's in charge of right. this activity. Like, like, in the United States, I feel like, although we do assign leaders to tasks, it's like a religion here. It is. Every I... task has a committee. Every committee has a manager. Every manager has a plan. It's it's very planned out. And I feel like in America, especially in school and especially through junior high, um, the teachers take a lot of the responsibility. They do a lot of it themselves. And it's the, the teachers are doing things for the students. Here I feel like the students are doing things they try to for themselves. The to do stuff. Right. Yeah, they yeah, really try themselves. to involve yeah. them in a yeah. way that – at a level that we don't do. Even, I mean – for lunch here, the kids have to go down to the cafeteria. They pick up the lunch. They bring it upstairs. And then they have to dish it out and serve it to the rest of the class, which is unimaginable in, in America. You would never see, you know, kids. I mean, you have kids. Serving made, food. Right, serving food. Self-responsibility. Self-reliance. It, exactly. It's, and it's their job to make sure that every student has a complete meal. Like, they have to check it off. They have to make sure that, you know, I was in charge of vegetables, so I brought the vegetables up, and I served the vegetables, and that was my job today. Yeah. And so it's like every member of the classroom has a specific job that they have to fulfill to make sure that the, the day gets gets done, and they are responsible for that. So if they don't do their job, then, you know, there's there's accountability there. And so – I feel like even in the baseball team, like, maybe because unlike in the United States where we do, like – a season of one sport and then a season of another sport. They're just in the same club all the year. Whole year. All year, baseball club. They don't club. make a lot of errors compared to like junior high school students in the, in the Right. I feel With, like junior high school students in the United States are larger and have more power and can hit harder. But like I, the technical skills of the baseball teams that I've found, I, I want to say that if I if I took our local team yeah. back to Oregon and I had them play at a the local same team. age, I think that Japan would – I just think kick ass. I think it depends. I, the American system is so unless much. It's so different because there's a psychic element, right? I, I well, just want to say skill for skill. I think there's so much more at junior high level in America. The fundamentals are really bolted down, right? It's not really a school team mentality in America, though. It's like a you know, there's it's an extracurricular outside of school until high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very and you, it's your yeah. You have to make the good team, and the good team is you yeah. know traveling league team. And here it's like every every school has its own team and i don't know above that system what there is but what's amazing to me is the fact that not only are do they do baseball year-round and like you said they work fundamentals they work physical conditioning they have very uh and they can bend well over organized because they do it in school because they day. do and they're very well organized but yeah. they're i mean they have they have a leader a teacher in charge a um 
you know, an advisor. The Bukatsu. The Bukatsu, yeah, advisor. But you never see them out there with the kids. You don't see them coaching. You You don't see them. But it very rarely. A lot of guys don't. I, I see the I see the I see the yeah. soccer coach out there quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. I I've I don't know who the baseball coach is. I've been there for a year. I've it, never yeah. seen him on the field. When I was there, we had this this the father. I mean, it's it's it's, the, it's quite common. In fact, it's standard to have a teacher, not a parent, volunteer to be the coach in Japan. And so, I was quite shocked when suddenly we had the father of a baseball player step up and say he wanted to be the coach of the team, mm-hmm. and they allowed it. So it's very unusual. Traditionally. But on paper, the coach of the team was still, it just happened to be the English teacher that I worked with at the time, who never went out there to work with the students. Right, because they had an unofficial coach. Yeah, it made it even more appealing for him not to go out and help because right. he's oh, I got a guy doing it for me already. Well, even, okay, but even on games? Oh, yeah, he showed up. He I, was in full uniform, and he was, like, leading. He'd, like, go out there and, like, <laughs> knocking balls to the kids, just, like, trying to steal all the credit for right. what the guy and, and who's I'm, volunteering taking his time to do. Right. And I'm I'm sure was... they I'm sure they do they have a coach who who helps instruct them and and set up the drills and but what's amazing is the fact that if you took a group of junior high students in America and you put them on a team and you're like, "Okay, you're on the baseball club, it's your job to go out and run the practice and and work hard and, you know, not goof off." I I I'm not sure they'd be I mean, Maybe there'd Wouldn't be, be some kids, but I don't think that. Yeah, I think there'd be a lot of goofing off. I don't think a lot just would get not done. Skilled at doing that. Whereas I think it's they're not used to having that skill. kind of responsibility it's a, yeah, it's a and accountability, yeah, yeah. right? And so they de- they purposely develop that, yeah. which is amazing to me. And you see the kids out there, and they're running practice as hard as any practice that I had ever attended playing sports it's with coaches. Run. It's kid run for the cracking most part. the cracking the whip. Yeah, completely kid run in almost. I mean, yeah, I, like I said, there are some clubs where the, the advisor is very involved and they go. But and where he's not, then you have kids running it. You have like, kids running it, and yeah. it's like senpai, kohai, leader, kakari. They they like they have a the distinct s- hierarchy. The senior kids are, are in charge. I what say they say go, goes. Go. Yeah. And they yeah. they respect their their senpai. They respect yeah. their seniors yeah. the same way they would a teacher when yeah. when they're in charge of whatever more. activity. Yeah, if, if not actually more. Yeah. yeah, it's really amazing. I, in fact, I know so many cases of where like kids are just like, oh, I can't stand my homeroom teacher, blah blah blah. In their club, they're like senpais, just totally bowing down to the senpai, and like like when there's bullying involved, there's not the respect. Obviously, is lost, but right um, for the most part, what I sense is a genuine sort of like reverence and like respect for in-group senpai, mm-hmm. like the leader. Even more so than for the teachers, unless you've got an, an extremely popular teacher, which can happen as well. But um, anyway, let's let's switch gears. Uh, we've talked about what sucked. We've talked about indirectly about what you liked, which is like the kids, which for me that, is like what I w- liked the, the most about what I love most about my job now is the kids. Right. I'm I, only I don't. I, I feel bad about being an English teacher in Japan because my aspiration in life was to be a philosophy professor. So I feel like I'm slumming it sometimes. It's, <laughs> it's a weird feeling. It's like, and then there's a lot of the people who come here to teach English, they do it for one to three years and they go back. Right. And when they look at me, a lifer, a lifetime assistant English teacher, it's with pity because it's a shit job for the most part. I think from the perspective of people that do it, and they're like, Oh my God! This guy's a failure in life. Well, it's it's interesting because I I I don't view it that way because 
the you, one you thing don't, you don't right i mean i feel like i've, I've actually have, had have other say people this. say that really i've actually had people say like oh my god you're you want to, you're gonna do this for the rest of your life but i want to say that the my the point that i was getting at is like the only reason why i'm still doing this aside from the fact that it's pretty much the only thing i can do in the country in the country yeah where there's a glass ceiling for foreigners i mean in tokyo i'm sure there's a lot of jobs i could do but the point is is that like i could have gone back to oregon i could pick up my family even and go back. To, my wife wants to go back to Oregon. Mm-hmm. But um, what's keeping me here is I actually enjoy interacting with kids. And the younger, the better. I mean, yeah. the elementary school kids are really enthusiastic about learning English. They are. It's amazing. And I feel like at the end of the day, I, I'm actually making an impact when it comes to their perception of foreigners and their ability to speak English. I've actually gotten to the point where I, I feel like I'm a pretty good English teacher. And so even though it's not what I intended to do originally, I actually take pride in the fact that I feel like I'm successful at teaching English. Now at junior high school, I actually quit teaching junior high school because I felt like I wasn't doing anything. I felt like I was used as a cassette recorder yep. for the most part. Yep. And uh, that really eats away at the soul. It when does. you feel like you're not useful as a human being, you don't have anything. And for me, that was what was most depressing about that working that job at the junior high school. And it appears as though I might be going back to the junior high school and teaching junior high school again after five years now of just teaching elementary school, which is what I love teaching. See, that's what. And I'm what I'm gives dreading, you my pity. I'm dreading going back because I, I think. I can now I'm at a point in my life where like if some cloud passes through Japan on a one to three year stint and is like, Oh, you're a loser. You're like forty years old, you're in Japan, you've been teaching English, you never really peaked as a human being in life. It's that's I've actually had people tell me this when I'm Wow. Yeah, it's it makes me feel bad. But like I've I think I've reached a point now in my life where I think I could handle that. Like if somebody said that to me, I'd just be like, Oh, you don't understand it wouldn't really affect me. Um I probably feel bad for the person who had that kind of a stereotype but i mean if i myself feel bad about what i'm doing if i go back to the junior high school and i feel like i'm not doing anything of value that's when life sucks that's when you're like oh my god what the fuck am i doing right so i'm kind of dreading going back to the junior high school next year and i'm wondering what it's going to be like well, it's it's really interesting because I completely agree. the The one positive thing about this experience, the other thing that kept me going during the winter, was how much I love teaching at the elementary school. Those the yeah. kids are enthusiastic; they're happy to see you that every single gem. day. That is life, right? Yeah, there. these kids are like. I mean, it got to the point where I, I've you know I've considered off and on going back to America and becoming an elementary school teacher because I really like working with the kids. Because kids are so optimistic. They are, and. It's weird, like, how can I put it? Like, I mean, I, anybody who's spent time with a kid knows this, but, like, adults are so fucking jaded. Yeah. You, you, you get a whole... It doesn't matter who they are. Right. You <laughs> like, get, you get, you get to... As an adult. Right. When, when you're with the kids, at least I feel like when I'm with the kids, I don't have to, to put on these airs and try to act responsible and be an adult, and I can kind of just... You're with be human a kid. beings that like to smile and laugh. Right, Whereas and you can be silly. You can adults, you can be silly. Whereas when you're around adults, adults, you're around people that have 
biases yeah. the, that are projecting this or that, that have an ideology and a worldview and the baggage of their experience that they're carrying around with them. They have exactly. ticks in their faces. They are Everything uh, they is have, viewed through the window of their experience. On their brow from concern and worry and sort of a skeptical stance and uh, years of everything they've ever Whereas kids yeah. are just like they just take things experience. as they come. And it's like fuck man. Everything talk- is a brand new experience. Yeah. Everything is brand new information. And they don't they don't kids don't run away. They don't blanch. Like if you could talk about something with an adult and they would I mean obviously you're not talking about Fukushima, for example, with a kid. Not that they'd even really understand it very well. What I'm saying is that like kids are so fresh that they're just dynamic. It's, I mean, it's like they're on point all the time. They're right. just they're ready. They're ready to be there to understand shit and to have fun and, and, and to make it fun, no matter what, to make it fun. Right. And it's that kind of attitude that like it's like. <laughs> have you seen the movie Life Is Beautiful? Yes. And they're in a. Con- I mean, it's unrealistic, but they're in a concentration camp, right? Mm-hmm. And you got this guy, this Italian guy, who's just funny as fuck. And he's taking the worst situation imaginable. And he's trying to shield his, his son. To from, shield his son and right. make it enjoyable. And that's, it's through this act that he himself survives. And I want to I'm not like saying that our experience in Japan is a concentration mm, camp Not experience, at all, no. But there are elements of it that remind us of that. Right. And getting through our sort of... We have our own stand experiences. Our own, yeah. I, I want to say that it's the kids Trials that have carried me through. It, and I would agree with that. That's the exact way I felt. It was I the felt. kids at school, and now it's my own kids who I just take joy in sort of this sort of uh, this you joy to, de free, the spirit right. of, of youth. You can you can just kind of take it from them. And it's you you yeah you feel like you can share and at the and same time there's there's enjoy it and live it yourself right there's there's a interesting sense of um pride and fulfillment that you get when you feel like you're making a difference and you're imparting and wisdom time, and you're helping when they're loud these as kids fuck and not listening to you you have to crack the whip yes but you do it for man, their own good so you yeah. do it for their own good i got some classes man oh man they're they're just so loud the i talked to the japanese t- <laughs> homeroom teachers and they're like this year's crop of I've, first graders is ridiculous. They're insane. There's no controlling them. I've had I some get pretty them in class, and they're just running around. I got kids running up. They want to stick their fingers in my butt. My listeners ah, who have no experience about Japan are just like, "What?" And you're like, "That would be my one piece of advice for new for new I aspiring a whole ALTs." Episode about guard your butt, kids. Watch your butt. Trying to give you an enema with their fingers. It's called enema concho. They run up. They try and stick your fingers up their butt. Yeah. I was talking to my friend about this the other day. It was a pretty long and, and funny conversation, but like what we came to was that like this would never pass in America. <laughs> like you can never have. It's only because we're that they're. First of all, let's be clear. These kids they'll run up and try to shove their fingers up your butt, right? Mm-hmm. But they do it to foreigners and they don't do it to the Japanese teachers. Yeah. So if this were happening to Japanese teachers, it would be but see, they know better. stopped immediately. They know better. But because they're only right, they know better. Because they're only doing it to the nice English clown who's not gonna get angry at them. <laughs> You're gonna smile and laugh. It's this thing that like exists throughout the whole country. It, does it not It's not my job to it discipline. Not it's not my job to discipline. Bit to know that Across the whole fucking nation, all forty, what is it, eight 
prefectures. Right. There are white dudes <laughs> getting fingers shoved women, up their ass. I don't know about women, but like I, I've heard, I've seen, I've read fingers, stories. Probably black dudes too. I've black read stories. dudes out there, you can chime in. Are, are kids running up shoving their fucking fingers up your butt? Because I, I bet they now, are. Now here's 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 my stance on it because it was kind of a shock uh, when it first happened. I mean, kind of a shock. It was okay. It was, kind of a shock. It was to really, have somebody's fingers in your butt. It was well because you know I'm 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 a big guy and you know for me they I'm not a big guy but I'm an angle on it. It's just straight it's up. hard. It's, it's like, yeah. It, well, it's true, but you know the first couple times my pants are I wear khakis and they're right. pretty tight yeah. and so it's not it's not real loose fitting pants. They can if I was wearing like uh, sweatpants or something like that, you could really get your fingers up in there. But these pants are pretty tight. They're pretty pretty guarded against uh, the concho. And so they try, and it's kind of like a, a shield of uh, fabric, and uh, and so yeah, I mean, you're wearing dockers, the, bro. I, maybe I was, I was this is maybe one of the, the biggest seventies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tracksuit. Track track yep. That just. Uh, are you okay over there? But as I was talking with my friend uh, Steve, we were talking about this, and like, yeah, go on, I'm good. And he was saying, um, he was saying he just does not allow it. Well, I, I, I didn't even know how to respond to it at first. I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you then, can't uh, really, yeah, you, you can't really stop it. To punch you They're, in the dick from the front while five guys are coming from the back trying to shove their fingers. That's the one that really bugs me when they when they go yeah. for the, the, the dick Kids dick are shot. lovely until they're trying to shove their fingers up your butt. Right. Let's, just, let's put that point on that. Well, and it's interesting for me to say this because when I first got here, you know, as, as a, a male, adult male in the United States, you're taught that if there are children around – Heterosexual. Hetero- <laughs> okay, that is not gay people. Heterosexual, homosexual, it doesn't matter. I am heterosexual, but it doesn't. Well, it might matter if because fingers in your butthole might be a completely different experience. Had okay. You been. No, we're getting off track. Are you here. Identify? If can you can you go ahead and identify, please? Heterosexual. Heterosexual male. I, I Twenty-eight. Do. Single. I like the boobies. Oregon. I like the boobies. Oregon goes by the handle Trevor. If you got the boobies, he's on Tinder. You find me I on believe. Tinder. I, I tried. I did try Tinder. I tried Japanese Tinder. I didn't even know what Tinder was until I met you. Just yeah. so you know. Yeah. Well, I didn't know what that pairs was about the cave that I lived until in. I met you. Pa- oh, I didn't know what pairs was either. It's Tinder. Until, it's Tinder. Until my friend Dave, yeah. shout out to Dave, was trying to meet Dave, some women, some real to dogs talk about, on Tinder to talk about on, uh, the game Go pairs, yeah, and chess. But anyways, and programming. When 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 you first get here. In my situation, you learn real quick in America. You don't look at kids that aren't yours that you have no relationship. Oh, America's a very you, weird. You don't touch kids, kinda, especially. Yeah. You don't. You don't give them a high five. You don't get within fifty feet of them. Like it's it's just very. It's well known. It's well accepted socially. Right. Not your kid. Don't look at them. And here you get here and you get into the school and the kids want to hug yeah. you and they want to like climb on you and they're yeah, they, grabbing they, on your legs yeah, and you're yeah. and I remember my first day yeah the first day of elementary school they were doing this and instinctively I put my hands in the air like I'm not touching them they're just doing this like I'm, and I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to tell them to go anyone. away I'm not raping <laughs> that was literally I'm not that, raping anyone that was my first reaction I'm like and the my teacher are in the air the teacher walks is by is anybody videotaping this I'm not responsible this is not I'm not do it it's not my fault they're doing it on their own I you know it's funny I never had that I I'm Ten years older than you. I get I get a lot of kids that wrap themselves around my legs and try yeah, to keep yeah, me yeah, from moving. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I had yeah I had kids hugging me. I, I had kids trying to pet my I'm, like twenty eight blonde I'm, hair. I'm I'm thirty nine. I'm ten years older than you. Yeah. I've been here for fourteen years, and before, I want to say I mean things were starting to ratchet up a little bit before I left for Japan. Yeah, 
But like growing up as a child, that atmosphere that we have today, which is like, um, uh, sort of the uh, what is it? Sort of the the tense atmosphere around adults and children that we have in the United States now. It didn't really exist yeah. the way that at the pitch that it does now in the United States. There have been a lot of um, cases, weird cases of, of this and but that. But what's, that I mean, if you look at the statistics, usually it's somebody the kid knows that commits these kind of crimes. Obviously, yeah. But there's this massive protect your child, there's predators everywhere behind every door. And I mean, it, it is a social issue that we should be aware of. But at the same time, I think it's the level of ridiculousness around it the levels well. that yeah, it's gotten a little, you know, you can't let your kids walk to the park that's a mile away from home if they're well, under the, the age thing. of here's, 15. Here's, here's, like, a, here's a little factoid that, that blows away Japanese people. Uh, a number of years ago, and I, I'm gonna have to source this later. There was somebody, a parent in the United States, a father in the United States, who was um, taken to court because he was taking baths with his five-year-old, I want to say, or maybe eight-year-old. I, I don't know. The point is that here in Japan, it's just that's the culture. You take a bath with your kids until they're yeah. Well, public bathing ten or so. Public bathing in general is okay. So at home, it's yeah, not a yeah, big deal. I mean, yeah. you go to the onsen and you you take a bath with, you know, fifty other guys. When I first got here, I had a host family with one of my future students, uh, as a part of that. And I, I show up the first day, and they're like, "Okay, well, we're gonna go to the onsen, uh, so let's go." Let's get naked together, and, and I'm thinking like, Wait are, a minute. "Are you I'm kidding fat me?" And I have a small penis. Do we? Do, <laughs> do we really want to do this? Do we really want to do this? Come on, guys. No, I'm, I'm thinking. Just hang out. I had just signed my toga party. I had just signed my contract this morning or that morning, and I was thinking, wow, I hope it's not against my contract to bathe with my students because that's where this night is headed. See, I would have never had that thought. Like, but just, as as somebody coming from that American environment, yeah, that's immediately where it's my a, mind it's went. A different sort of environment than what I, yeah. I grew up with. Now, that's not to say that we didn't have pedophiles who were uh, predator, sexual predators and that kind of stuff. There wasn't the hype around it, though. Yeah, the, there was like the. Legal, I don't think it's any worse tension. now than it. There, yeah. It's not. It wasn't any worse then than yeah. it is now. But now there's so much. The other thing that yeah. in this in this vein is here, you don't have a lot of. There's no school buses, and you have. I mean, there's buses that come down from the mountain, but in town, there really aren't any school buses, and. I don't think I get the feeling a lot of parents don't drive their kids to and from school. I mean, some do. I've seen it, but a lot of kids walk. At There's least a walk tradition from, here yeah, to, to walk, walk fact, to school. Did you know that you can't actually use a bike to commute to school unless you're outside of like a like a, three, a radius of yeah. like five kilometers or ten kilometers or something? Yeah, I heard three miles, which would be what like a little over five kilometers. Five k. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, you can't even ride your bike to school if you live within you know a couple miles they of school. are big on walking and that's that starts first grade right yeah i see first graders walking home from school yeah they pair them with sixth graders who right to get them, them home the route and, and for the first year and then they go back and forth right and so a, there again you have sixth graders who are Senpai personally responsible yeah for getting the first graders home from school at the end of the day the, the problem that i have uh as the father of cute quote-unquote hafu children is that uh, there are kidnappings in Japan. Really? Kids traveling to school and... Rural area. Although I don't hear a lot in Japan about um, sexual predators or this and that. What I hear of is vans pulling up and grabbing kids and throwing them into the van and then you never see them again. 
I don't have numbers on it, but like I hear this or that about it quite a bit. And um, it freaks me out as a father. My, my daughter is going to be commuting to school next year. And yeah, first grade. And it freaks me out because from what I can tell, you have like these um, sort of underground Yakuza groups who will kidnap women, uh, children, and then basically raise them to be sex slaves. And it, it that keeps me up at night. Yeah, I bet, yeah. yeah. Well, you're lucky. You, you do live pretty close to the school, though. So it's not... It's not a horrible but back road. But in, in, in the years that I... As, sp- as a father, yeah. No, yeah. In the years that I spent teaching at the school and attending meetings and stuff like that, there were so many occasions where um, you'd have these reports, like where a kid was walking home in the town that we live in, mm-hmm. and a car stopped and said, hey, get in the car. Get in, hey, come on. Why don't you get in the car? Let's go for a ride. And uh, the kid, thankfully, ran away and then uh, told their parents who called the school. And then the school would have these, like, emergency meetings. And, like, there was a stranger reported at such and such location uh, wearing this or that, described as this or that. And for a few days, anyway, everybody would be on high alert. And I remember that happening over ten times in in the, the... more than once a year. Wow. When I was there. And I thought it was interesting or interesting is a weird word to use. I it provoked me, it disturbed me a little bit. But it wasn't until I became a father that I was like really disturbed about it. Right. So even in this far in fact these are the places where um kidnappers come in, that that is in the deep countryside where they will go to snatch kids because there's less chance of police involvement. We have one basically inactive police officer. One police officer in town, town, yeah. And um, less chance of a witness or a pedestrian stopping that from happening. So it freaks me out. Uh, She, She needs a buddy, buddy system. I don't think a buddy's gonna help. I don't know. I'll probably I'll probably drive my kid to school. People will think I'm strange and I'm 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 a well. You're going I'm an elitist. I should let you, my kid walk and shit like that. Fuck you. I don't want my half. You're going there anyway. Stolen so that she can become a sex slave because I. It's it's literally twenty seconds children, away from where you work. So there's like a fetish for half kids here in this in this society. Really? Yeah. Just like there kind of is for like half Japanese chicks and it's it's a subculture I suppose, but like. There's a subculture for half Japanese chicks in the United States, which you, you happen to be. A, yeah, I, they're cute. They're they're fucking cute. They're really cute. I wasn't on board with the whole Asian fetish thing until I got here, and now but it's not a fetish. It's, it's just like, it's just not, being interested in women. Yeah, but here it's like, oh, they're not full blooded Japanese, so we can just kidnap them and use them to do it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the mentality. I don't know for a fact. Ne- who, you've, you've never met a, a child. I've never interviewed a yakuza sex. in this podcast yet, but I would like to. So if you're out there and you're a member of the Yakuza... Please note that I'm open for interviews. Silence. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, because they'll just use I know you to there are some in the town. Right. I know there are some in this town, whereas there's not any in the town that I'm teaching let, let at me, Let me ask you, you. There are two cars that kind of remind me of Yakuza cars that are parked over by the gas station. The, the We only have one, the old gas station here in town, mm-hmm. uh, over by the uh, the city hall. 
What's the deal with those cars? Because they're always parked there. They look out of place. I don't know if that family is a Yakuza family, but I know that they have two sons and that they're former students of mine. Uh, are those their cars? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I don't know if, if they're connected or if they're not connected. The problem is is that like there is a specific car type, like uh, the all-black Toyota Crown. Um, there's another uh, model, but they, they tend to look... They're, <clears throat> they're usually sedans. And they're usually all black, and they usually have lowered wheels and tinted windows. Um, and they drive fast. They tend not to obey traffic signals. I've had them at a, I was at a stoplight, and they just blow right by you, just right through the intersection without even stopping. Stuff like that. Wow. Yeah, yeah a lot, a few of those occasions. Um, but the problem is, is that you have you have chimpira, which are like basically punks like kids, underlings underlings that, that like want to join but aren't members yet uh, trying to initiate and then you have i'm sure you also have like people that like long for akogareru who long <laughs> for the yakuza like lifestyle which would be a lifestyle uh, of sort of freedom compared to like the salary man the businessman samurai and whatnot uh who if they have, like, let's say that they're kids that aren't particularly smart, who don't uh, do well in school, and they uh, their aspiration is to become a truck driver, mm-hmm. and they use their money to uh, drive a car on their holidays that looks like a Yakuza car. So there's kind of fake ones out there. There's low level ones out there. Then there's the real ones. Uh, they got so you got the posers, even even you, for the mafia here. Yeah, you don't want to mess with the real ones. I'm told, but uh, I don't know. I would love to interview one. I've talked with two Yakuza members in a uh, sauna. Again, naked. A lot of tattoos? <laughs> Obviously. A lot of tattoos? Yeah. It, you know, it's um, the fullback. The fullback. It was... It was I went... I, I remember how I said the first year was just super cold. I thought I was going to die. I was wearing three layers. Uh, I bought a six-month pass to the local spa. I started going there regularly in the evenings. Right. And I would go into the sauna at night just to kind of, you know, sweat it out or whatever. And I, I would talk to the old guys in there, of which most of them I knew. And one day I went in there, and normally it was packed, but it was just two guys. And thinking back on it now, I realized that... Why the, there was no one else in yeah, there? Yeah, the reason that there was nobody else in there is because there were two Yakuza members in there. And every local who goes to the spa would automatically, immediately, obviously the tattoos alone, would spot that is a Yakuza member in there, and they wouldn't want to be in there with a Yakuza member. Uh, me, just being kind of a bumbling American idiot, who happened to speak pretty good Japanese at that point in my career here, uh-huh. I go in, and I hey sit guys, down, what's going and I'm on? like, oh, fuck, these are two Yakuza dudes. One of them was huge. He looked like a failed sumo wrestler, which he probably was. He just didn't make it in sumo and didn't have a lot of other career prospects and so he thought oh i'll be the muscle for my local town boss or sub boss or whatever and the other guy was thin and just looked like your standard sort of rice farming japanese guy but with full tats and i sat down and i started you know just sweating one out so to speak and um i was quiet i was not trying to make any noise or initiate any conversation and then they referred to me as onisan which means young man Either young man or big brother, but they're not, they're older than me. So they were just like, you know, hey, brother, you know. Okay. 
yeah, I don't know. How, do I, how would you even translate that into English? I don't know. But they're like, hey, brother, what's up? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, I'm nothing, you know, kind of, kind of like, you know, you know, trying to not trying to, I was trying not to have a conversation with them. And then they just started probing me like, where are you from? What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And, um, I said, I'm from America. And, just uh, out here trying to join, uh, join, join a gang. I teach English and, um, I got guns. Yeah. We ended up talking a little bit about America and guns and this and that. But that happens a lot. Like when I got pulled pulled over by a police officer for speeding, we talked for thirty minutes about Hollywood movies and guns, <laughs> and uh, that was weird. And he still gave me the ticket, by the way. But um, yeah, we talked for about twenty, no, not twenty, probably. I think I was only in there for fifteen minutes. So we talked for the whole fifteen minutes, and then uh, I said goodbye. And it was weird though; they were quite interested in me. You should ask for. A... I should have asked them. I should have. Yeah. Had I only had a podcast at that time, I would have. Invited them to come. You should have asked them where they got their ink. I heard a story about. Should have complimented Yakuza, their tattoos. Um, ink and that's that they a lot. A lot of times they reuse the needles, and so these guys end up having hepatitis. Wow. And end up dying of hepatitis. Wow. It's very common. Just among. Invest in some better needles. Yeah, it's weird. This could be an old thing. It might not exist now, but you know, 50, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Quite common. Back Especially the, with the older, back in the day, end up dying. Oh. Well, it might still happen now because tradition and all. Yeah, <laughs> tradition bowing, never dies here. If they're bowing to photographs that no longer of the emperor that no longer exist, they're probably still better use the why same do, needle. Why do we? Why do we keep using this thing? It's killing this people. Was a needle that was stuck into Grandmaster, the original boss. Yeah, boss. So <laughs> we got his pure blood now in us. Well, okay. Here's here's a question for this. you. The term boncho. Is that does that refer to somebody in the yakuza or is that just a local hancho bon, bancho 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 you've you gang me. You, you haven't heard the word bancho no you you that's the thing that's the great thing about language is that like even when you think you've got a firm grasp of oh, it oh okay i've just can... i've just looked it up it translates directly as leader of a group of juvenile delinquents Boncho. Boncho. This is a new word for me, and I, I have to say thank you for pointing it out. So maybe, maybe what were the uh, the underlings called? Maybe it's the kanji that I thought it was. Yeah, okay. So maybe it's the leader. Chimpira. Of, yeah. Yeah. So like the leader of a chimpira gang would be a boncho. There you go. Because uh, I've I've heard that term at school. Sometimes the kids will will uh, you know picking on one of the kids that's maybe in student government or very vocal and organizing people look ah boncho really yeah wow well we have one one student in particular who's very tall he's 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 got to be six foot in junior nice. high already and he's he's pretty pretty hefty and so it's him show too him specifically they call they call him the boncho because he's big and intimidating he's really way taller than the rest of his class I gotta say, I'm quite happy that I learned this word tonight. This is a word that I've never heard. Wow. Well, there you go. I finally. Pancho. It only I took me 11 there. months to teach you a new Japanese word. That's the thing. Um, I remember I had this friend. I still have him. He's alive today. And he's, his Japanese was a lot better than mine. Um, basically, N1 level, top, top grade mm-hmm. level. And. Uh, we just happened. We 
we always lived in different spots in Japan, so we didn't have very many opportunities to meet up. But we met in Tokyo once, and we just tied one on one night. And we were in some bar in Shibuya, and um, there was a, I think like a advertisement or something, like a little paper thing on the table that said, uh, Honkaku. And he was like, I, I don't know what that is. Honkaku tekina. And I was like, you don't, you don't know that word? And it means like genuine, like the real article or whatever. And like, Oh, like honmono. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. A little different? Well, similar. <laughs> honmono means like real. Whereas like um, honkaku tekina would be like, like uh, like a like a, like a genuine barbecue sauce or like the real the real thing like different from like realizing like it really exists like it's like this is the real deal this is gen the genuine article. Ah, uh, okay. Here, so the original method or pr uh, procedure. Yeah. So done done the old fashioned way. Yeah, and uh, real. He'd never come across the word, and it just it's it's not like Japanese. In English as well, it's such a large language that even when you become proficient in it, a beginner can teach you a word that you didn't know. A friend of mine, I'd been living here for three years, and his Japanese was horrible. He really didn't study at all. He couldn't really speak at all, other than like a basic greeting or anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd been here for three years, and he was like, oh, yeah, I met this guy, and I was like, Shibaraku desu ne. And I was as like to like say, you know, long time no see. And I was like, what? And I'm like, Shibaraku, that, that means like, uh, you know, like, please wait a little. A little, a little while. A yeah. little while. You know, and I'm like, that's not right. And he's like, what? I thought that was right. And um, he was questioning himself because my Japanese was so much better than his and he knew it was. And then I looked in my dictionary and I'm like, oh, I'm a dick. It's been, so yeah, it's been a little he while. Was, yeah, he was completely right. And um, I mean, it just goes to show you that like, there's a lot out there, and you can pick up new Japanese. That's what anywhere. I mean. You'll, you'll never be completely fluent in a foreign language unless you're bilingual, really. Even for somebody who's considered fluent. I meet people, and I'm so good at masking my accent, um, and I've gotten really good at... How can I put it? Communicating within my comfort zone. Yeah, you're... I'm really jealous of your abilities. I can tell that countless hours of dedication and hard work went into uh, but mastering. When I'm, when I'm on the spot, on my game, and I'm just I'm I'm in my comfort zone. I hear it all the time. It's not the fake kind of like there's you get these fake compliments in Japan, like oh you can use chopsticks I'm, I'm well aware of the fake or, compliments oh you're so much more Japanese than so, even Japanese I get this and I'm just like oh god shut up but like <laughs> um, but like there are times rare occasions where you like have a conversation with a customer service official on the phone or like I called my wife the other day just to give you an example and there's this there's this uh, there's this fraud a scam that's popular in Japan where you call your mother or father well, no not your mother or father it's not yours you, you call somebody's mother or father or somebody's grandmother on the phone mm -hmm. and you're like uh, ore 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 this it's me it's me uh, and they and fill I, in I the blanks money. yeah I need some money I'm, I'm, and then the, the scheme kind of yeah. goes like this it's me it's me hey I I, I, I I run into some trouble I need uh, I need 10 grand by tomorrow I'm going to get kicked out of my apartment and then the, the mother or the father or the grandmother or the grandfather, it's usually the elderly. They go, 
you don't sound anything like my grandson. And then like the guy on the other end of the phone goes, <coughs> I caught a cold. I caught a cold. I don't sound the same. Anyway, I need uh, 10 gram and I need it by today or yesterday or whatever, you know, and then, and so many people, so many Japanese people get duped by this, I guess. Very gullible society. But anyway, this is my wife. And who, I don't. Who would lie my, in this country? I don't. And I, I know, I know elderly people are gullible. My wife is not yet uh, elderly and she's not particularly gullible I like I, I don't tend to viewers like an, an average Japanese person like I mm-hmm. just, just my wife and I call up and I just happen to be in a joking spirit one day and I go she's like most motion and I'm like <laughs> and it's like most mosh what did I get though and she was like what <laughs> I'm like what did that what did I go I'm sorry I was like I'm sorry I'm in trouble. I need need like a thousand dollars or I'm in trouble. And she goes, she goes, Simasen. She's like, sorry, there's nobody here by the name of Ori. And she hangs up the phone. She hangs up the phone. But doesn't she have caller ID? Where were you calling from? Oh, this is Japanistan. We don't have caller ID. Really? Even on cell phones? No. No, I called the landline. Oh, okay. She didn't answer her cell phone two times. Okay. So I decided to call the landline. The landline, okay. And that, when I got her on the landline, I'm like, she oh, had... fuck, I'm going to run the ore ore scheme. <laughs> she, she hung up on you. And she hung up on me. And at first, I thought, I, just, I, mean, I, I thought she she knows it's me. It's my fucking voice. It's right, my wife. Right. She knows it's me. And... She's not in a good mood today. This is my thinking. She's not she's, in a good mood She's mad mood at you today. for joking around. Yeah. And so I made a joke, and she's like, fuck him. There's nobody here by the name of Orde, and slams the phone down on me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I didn't think there was any chance that she thought that I was actually running a scam. So I call back, and she answers, and I was like, and she was like, you know, she's you should have, and she got angry and she's like you should have asked her for 10 bucks I'm really like, in trouble nobody, she's like, she was about to hang up the phone she's like there's nobody here by the name of Ori I'm like honey honey wait 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 it's me it's me it's me and she's like wait what she's like who and I'm like it's me your husband and she's like oh and I'm like I guess if I'm in my comfort zone people think that I sound like I'm Japanese and I probably don't sound like it tonight I've had a lot of beer and I'm, I'm kind of tired but like you get these compliments where like you're like yeah I've reached this point where like people can confuse me for a native Japanese speaker. And then there's other days where like somebody says something to you and you're like, I have not a fucking clue what you just (laughs) said to me. And it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. But, but at least you can clearly and concisely tell them that you have no idea what the fuck they just said to you. That was a major improvement. That was a revolution in my sort of studies of Japanese. Yeah. I, I still, the frustrating thing for me is the fact that I, I can, I mean, if you're talking about everyday conversation, school meetings, stuff like that, I still have no idea what the fuck's going on. Usually, if I don't know the topic, the topic of the conversation, I can't follow it. But if I know the topic of the conversation and it's something that you would encounter in everyday life, usually I can follow what's going on and understand generally what's being said. But when it's time to respond, it's like I freeze mentally. And so if I'm sitting at my desk and I'm studying, like I can put together a complex sentence 
with you know several different it's a cerebral right activity right and it's easy to connect the dots and it's like okay i know this particle connects yeah. these two i know that i need to nominalize the verb so that i can add an additional verb mm-hmm. it you know it's it's easy it's like a math equation yeah. when you're sitting down and you're writing it out and, and then you stammer and stutter when it actually gets to real conversation. Right. You're Somebody like, ah. asks you a question and, and you can barely say anything. The other day I went to the supermarket and they had a small bakery. I'd never been to the supermarket before. And I went in and I got a and loaf of like, bread. Ha-ha, Olive Garden. Yeah, exactly. Mm, I was thinking, well, this, is, this is the first mm. French bread that I've seen uh, since I've been my here. Belly. And so I go up to the man working at the, the counter and I'm trying to figure out, do I, you know, this is kind of a side store. I'm wondering, do I need to pay for this here? Can I go take it to the register? Yeah. And so I, I, I go to ask him, uh, can I, you know, do I pay for this here? And I use the, I use the wrong word for here. I use kore instead of koko, which is this right. instead of here. I mean, I, I've, I've, I learned, yeah. I, yeah, I learned that 15 years ago. And yet still in conversation, and it still the wires get crossed. Right. It's what yeah. comes out. And so yeah. He, yeah. He, he looks at me funny. And then he, you know, he he says it back to me, but correctly, and I immediately realize the mistake I've made, and I apologize and kind of laugh, and I do this a lot, you know, I laugh at my own mistakes. But then you, you leave, and it it's for me at least it gnaws at me. It's like, oh, that sure. was so stupid. All you had to, you know, because for me every encounter in Japanese, and maybe this is part of the reason it was so stressful living here. Every encounter in Japanese is a is like a, a microcosm, a chance to succeed or fail, you know, based on all the time and effort I've put into studying the language and the time I've spent living here. And so when I come away from a conversation and I've made such a stupid mistake, I feel like, Oh man, what a, what a failure of a conversation that was, you know, I've lost, I've lost this, this battle. My biggest problem when I first started out speaking Japanese was like the junior high school students who I'm with, you know, Monday through Friday, eight hours, nine hours a day. The, the shit that they say can be pretty raunchy. Especially, I had boys that would come into the English room and just spend hours chit-chatting with me. And they would try to fill my head with, like, dirty words, basically. I mean, they, they, they successfully filled my head with dirty <laughs> words. And then I later, I go to have, like a, like, a drinking party with the Board of Education. And instead of saying... Uh, I say like like I want to eat breasts <laughs> instead of I want to eat a lot or something yeah. like that and uh, just because these words floating around yeah they're just they're just in your brain kind of floating around they're not really solidly connected to anything with meaning it's very easy to slip up um, you get through that yeah but you'll still have your slip ups from now it's, on it's yeah it's very difficult when words are linked to words in another language and not linked to the physical object they represent yeah anyway learning japanese is a bitch it's not spanish it's a yeah and for all you spanish speakers spanish learners out there you have it easy yeah it's a hard language well we should probably wrap it up we've been talking for two hours so uh let's wrap it up last question one single question yeah you have one piece of advice that you can give to a newcomer in Japan, a new cloud, someone who's going to float in to be an English teacher. One piece of advice. What would it be? Really put me on the spot here. Um, I guess the biggest thing that I learned um, in my time here is that like you're going to go through ups and downs. Um, there's no way around it. It's 
things things are never as bad as they seem at their worst and never as good at good as they seem at their best um and so you really have to try to center yourself and not not let your emotions get too out of control because even even telling myself that at the time I got way way you know off track I feel like um emotionally so, so to put it in a little sort of soundbite. Yeah, soundbite. Center yourself, sound, bitches. Center yourself, bitches. Yeah. Don't get too excited. Don't get too sad. Find a middle road. Be and, Aristotelian and, and, and walk it. You'll get through it. Because, you I mean, survive. eventually, eventually, living here will become your new normal. Like, I at this point, I'm almost afraid to go back to America because I know that there's going to be that same kind Too many fat people that can't bend over to pick up trash? I hear it's gotten worse. I've talked to my yeah. friends like, man, people are getting fatter. Obesity is up another <laughs> another couple percentage levels, yeah. yeah. So, and you've probably lost a couple pounds or gained some strength along the way. Uh, I, it'll be interesting to see. You're probably the strongest you've ever been in your life. And yet I feel the fattest I've ever felt in my life because come to the grape shack a little more often. Everybody weighs 140 pounds here, so yeah. Well, it's hard not to feel fat. Yeah. I guess the rice just doesn't stick to them the way it sticks to us. <laughs> God, rice. Yeah, that's that's my other piece of advice. Don't you know, eat the rice. Don't eat the rice. Just don't do it. Like you're gonna eat it at lunch. Don't eat it. You're gonna be drinking at night anyway. Don't eat the rice. You got you got your liquid rice. All the carbs you need. All right. Well, we're gonna go ahead and sign out here. Let's wish Trevor good luck in his journey back in the motherland. New adventure awaits. New adventure awaits. Let's like to hear from you again after a few months. We'll have to set up a spectacle. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait to hear all about your adventures. In taking my it'll be, it'll be. Fun.